How are you getting on? Welcome to episode number seven of Curious with Darren. I want to say thanks very much for tuning in so far. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. I hope you've gotten value from the conversations. And um, it's been a treat for me on this journey. And I thoroughly enjoy it. I thoroughly enjoy chatting to people from different backgrounds, learning and expanding my mind in the process. So if you guys get value out of it, that just is the cherry on top. So thank you. Today's guest is Nikki Halliday. Nikki's my first female guest, first of many. It was a pleasure and honor to have her on. She has a background in nutritional therapy. She's a natural chef. She is a cacao ceremony guide, a shamanic trance dance guide, and the author of a practical guide to cooking for health, just to name a few areas. Uh, Nikki has an interesting journey uh, with HPV virus and uh, her own exploration into healing herself with alternative methods so it was a juicy conversation we covered a lot and we have a beautiful rendition of nikki's acoustic uh, song that she wrote herself towards the end of the podcast so thanks very much for tuning in there's information on nikki in the show notes if you have any questions at all please feel free to reach out to me on instagram and uh, thanks for tuning in How's it going, guys and girls and those and them? <laughs> I have the uh, wonderful Nikki Halliday with me on the podcast today. How are you doing, Nikki? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on, Darren. Yeah, it's an honor. It's uh, great that you you decided to come on, and um, I'm very happy to have you here. So, uh, kudos. Yeah, it's an honor to be asked. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm really um, excited. Great. So, uh, look, Nikki, there's so much we can talk about, and we kind of touched on some bits there. But maybe you just want to give uh, you know some insight into uh, yourself uh, for anyone listening that might not know you, because. Look, uh, you, you, you're working as a chef at the moment uh, and your kind of journey has been nutritional therapy. Um, so, Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's funny when I, I actually get stumped when people ask me like, so what do you do? Yeah, same. And um, my business coach recently was like, just tell them that you run your own business, you know, and then if they ask more questions, then you mm. can go into it rather than saying like, I am a chef or I am a nutritional therapist. Um yeah. yeah, and I've actually struggled with that myself, you know, and I, I don't particularly like to ask the question, but a part of me felt like I haven't done that in the last podcast, and it's nice to give context. But uh, when I answer that question now, I'm like kind of, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, yes. Just something that's broad and vague. And if the intrigue is there, then we can kind of unravel it. But um, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know, I feel like, I don't, I don't know if that's if it's an Irish thing or... Um, I it's I don't think it's just me, but I think I think we tend to dull down what it is that we do to to people when they ask us. It's like, oh, I just do this, you know, and it's it like it, you you don't make it sound like big time. Do you know what I mean? It's like oh, I just cook, or you know, I just do this. And <laughs> That's been a massive uh, struggle for me, and I think it is an Irish thing where like I've actually downplayed things that are inside I know I can do better or I am better at. Yeah. And it's been a big growth thing for me in the last probably six months where I'm actually just owning that a bit more and like being more like matter of fact and standing yes. in that confidence and without kind of the fear of coming across 
egotistical or overconfident. Absolutely. Yeah, um, I think we have a fear of like, oh my God, they're going to think I have a big head if I go on about what I do. Yeah. <laughs> where, where, where do you think that comes from? You know? and like, I do have a big head, so I don't mind to be... <laughs> Well, like, well, I do. I know, I know. In in for females, anyway. Yeah. And it could have been the same for men as well. But there is definitely this big thing around. Um, you know, the, one of the worst slags that you could get in school was, "Oh, she loves herself." Mm. You know, so we 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 kind of then felt like it's a bad thing to love yourself. Yeah. You know, so then it's like we you're always kind of dampening down that like that you love yourself. Mm. So, you know, to talk highly of yourself, like as, oh, she loves herself. You it know? was such a negative thing. Like, yeah. yeah like, yeah. Who, who does he think he is? Who does she think he is? She yeah, is. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I think it comes across more, though, you know, if it's more of an arrogant way of putting yourself across, you know, really, you know, in, in, in regards to it being like, oh, my, your ego's coming through really strongly there. Yes. It's like, and that's you know, delicate. I know. So there's that a fine line between like, you know, bringing in this really powerful ego or else just, you know, truly loving yourself. Definitely. And yeah. I think that when you come across in the arrogant sense, it's just very clear that you think of yourself higher than other people. Yeah. That's what it gives off, you know, because that's how your ego is identifying. Like, I, I'm so amazing. I'm better. Uh, and you can sense that dynamic as opposed to uh, when it comes from a sincere place of love, you know, you don't make people feel like they're less or it's just something we sense, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big time. Um, yeah. But like historically, I wonder in Irish culture, does colonialism have anything to do with that? You know, the fact that we were suppressed for so long uh, and not kind of encouraged to stand out or um, it was just more beneficial for us to fit in. Yeah, I wonder, oh, like, I would say yeah, so. Like, yeah, the generational traumas. Like, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, 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 without a doubt. So do you find yourself standing in that a bit more yourself when you're kind of getting into these conversations? If you do tell someone that you're a businesswoman uh, and they show more interest, how do you find, um, you know, describing the uh, different pies that you have your hands in? Yeah, no, I still feel like I, I don't, I downplay it a lot. You know, I don't feel like I, I, I have that like, yeah, do you know what? I, I do these things and, you know, I kind of feel like, oh, because I do so many different things that it's not, you know, I'm, I, I sometimes call myself like a jack of many. Same. You know, master of none. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think the full saying is jack of many, master of none, but always better than master of one. Oh, wow. I yeah, love that. Yeah. Because I identified that with that for a long time, like jack of all trades. And it actually kind of made me feel bad that I'm a master of none. Because I'd always crave being a master of one. But then I would get interested in something, become obsessed about it, and then be like, okay, I'm ready for something else. Yeah. And there was this guilt. I know. But that's that's beautiful. You but know? I think, you know, you, you know, we would talk about like, oh, I found my purpose or, yeah. you know, what, why my, this is my life purpose. But I, I feel like that can shift, you know, and it really does shift throughout our lives and our Big purpose time. changes a lot in whatever stage that we are at in our lives. And that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah if anything, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a positive, you know, it's shifting and growth uh, because we change. Yeah, 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 incredibly so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I worked in a bank. I, I worked in financial, the financial world for nine years. So I was in AIB Bank for six years of wow. them. You know, basically doing teller, foreign exchange. Yeah, where were you based? 
Um, I was in Dundrum and then Stillorgan and then Dalkey. Yeah. So I was in Dalkey for three years. I actually quite liked working in Dalkey Branch because it was a nice community yeah. vibe there. I didn't mind the work that I was doing. I just like felt really like icky that I was working for the bank. I was in AOB for a while in, in San Diford. <laughs> really? I was in the credit card fraud centre. Oh, no uh, way. Yeah, and it's similar, you know. Felt yeah. like I'm really now in the system. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it got so compliant and, you know, you weren't really able to give the customer service anymore. So I was super happy to leave. And That's so interesting. I can't imagine you in a bank and you're, you know, professional attire. And I know. Well, people say that to me all the time. They're so shocked when they, they hear that I worked in a bank. But yeah, yeah. But, you know, when I was working in the bank, I was studying nutritional therapy while were, I was there. Right. And I think they knew they knew that. So I think that's why it was never really promoted lots because they knew I was ah, not going to stay, yeah. you know. Yeah, so I was like stuck on the teller for most of the time, but I didn't really mind. Was there interest or encouragement expressed in your kind of path towards nutritional therapy? Um, I was like, it was when I was traveling around the world, I just, you know, looking at all the different cuisines and what people were eating, I just got more into it. Yeah. And to Is be that how that was born, your interest yeah, from traveling? To be, yeah, yeah, kind of. But then to be honest, like in full honesty, I do think that a lot of people and especially women, like most of the people that study nutrition are women. Like there is probably two men in, in a 25 of our class. Like it's, mm. it's, it's more, more rare for men. And um, like I definitely had an unhealthy relationship with food, you know, and I, I feel like I needed, I wanted to control more of what I was, what I was eating as well as being interested in the health side of things. I feel like there, sometimes there is that element of control in the, in studying nutrition. It's like, I want to know exactly what I'm putting into myself and I need to control everything I eat. Cause I did actually have like, um, an issue with it. Like, yeah. What with, was that issue? Like, was it a kind of a comfort kind of attachment to it or was it just a habit of eating unhealthy food? Yeah, well, I find myself binge eating quite a lot, yeah. do you know? Um, so, yeah, I, I I definitely wanted to study more about about the, the relationship to food as well and how it could heal that. Right. Yeah. Um, and also how I could be healthier in my body by eating the right foods, I suppose. Um, but yeah, so it was four years studying nutritional therapy and I, I just loved, I loved, I loved it. It was so, yeah. I was so passionate about it. Like I'd be in class and I'd be like, oh, I don't want to go to the toilet because I don't want to miss anything he <laughs> says. Like, this is so interesting. And that was, that's where I knew I was, you know, in the right place. It's a great time. It was just that yeah. like buzz inside me, you know. Um, but I just knew that I wasn't going to leave the bank just to be a nutritional therapist. Right. I, I didn't feel like that was like the only thing that I could do. Do you know, it's not something that you can just go right I'm going to quit my job and see clients every day for nutritional therapy it's a it's a lot to take on there's so much I don't think you'd nearly be able to, to physically do that because you're, there's so much energy that goes into seeing a client with nutritional therapy is that because you need to understand every nuance of their diet and their kind of physiology physiology yeah, everyone's individual yeah. it's so scientific mm. there's so much research you have to do around every client and then you know, coming up with their plan. It just, it takes a lot of yeah. time, you know. So um, not, not like, I mean, I do, I do enjoy it and I still do enjoy it, but I just feel like it's it's too, it's gone too sciencey for me now. I'm more like, you know, if we are well and healthy in ourselves, then our body should be able to balance our, you know, and our, with our minds as well, yeah. you know, yeah. our body, bodies should be able to come back to balance, 
without this like, oh my God, you've got like a little bit too let you're not you you know, you're deficient in magnesium or you know, making yeah. it so sciencey mm. to like if you're if you're living in a healthy mind, healthy enough diet that your body should come into balance. Yeah. No, I sense, think so. You know? I think so. Like, uh, like wellness in mind, like, is influential on the body and how the body's mechanisms Absolutely. work. Uh, and in fact, like, you could become uh, obsessive with like all these details and the uh, information around, you know, um, what the body requires. But that could become a full time job in itself that could actually stress you, raise cortisol and then just defeat the whole purpose of what you're trying to accomplish. And that, and that I've seen that happen time yeah. and time again. And like, you know, I've had I remember there was two clients that I had that were like, you know, emailing me all the time and like, uh, oh, what about this? What about that? And they were so uptight and yeah. like, you know, one of them was struggling with the bladder problem and it was just, n just wouldn't, there was nothing that would help her. And then there was another guy who had really serious um, gut issues. And I tried numerous different protocols with him and like nothing worked. And and it, at the time I didn't even realise, but now I lo looking back, I'm like, they were the two most stressful clients mm. that I had that, that were they were holding so much stress and so Tension. much worry and like oh my god I have to do the right thing and they were both the, the most sick that they couldn't get better through nutrition it was all to do with their their ways of thinking wow and you know? and, and it seems like they were controlled by their obsession to optimize <laughs> exactly <laughs> but that, like it's such a, a vicious loop because yeah the body operates I think so well in the calm and relaxed day Exactly. Which is like challenging to achieve in itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I mean, it's so it's so clear, you know, when you're when when you're in fight or flight. Yeah. Your digestive system shuts down. Mm. Do you know it? Like it doesn't. It's, it thinks that you don't need to use your digestive system because really? like, you know if you're running away from an animal like a bear or something in the woods, obviously you're in fight or flight. You're not going to be digesting your food at that point. You're just going to be yeah. the only thing your body is going to do is going to create you, give you extra energy to run and make sure that you get away from that bear. Yeah, of you course. know. So, but we're now living in such a stressful world that, you know, like, we will, you know, be in that kind of, like, not to the state of running away from a bear, but like a slight, um, like stress on the system. So people can be in that state like yeah. consistently. Well, we know? don't know the difference, do we, on a physiological level? Like, like we've changed so little, like uh, biologically over the years, that us going into a fight or a flight response in today's society could be triggered from um, some kind of social rejection or whatever. But our body thinks that we're being chased by a bear on some level. Yeah, exactly. That, that be appropriate to say. Yeah, no, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're when we're in that state, we're we're not like of course we're not um, our our fertility is not yeah. going. Our reproductive system wow. shuts down. Our digestive system shuts down. So like even a lot of women who like can't get pregnant, a lot of the time they're just living in that state of fight or flight for a consistent period of time. You know, yeah. it really does not help What's our the bodies. Sorry, what's the consequence of the digestive system getting neglected, like our energy? So I think what happens here, just to clarify, is uh, when we're in this state, um, the kind of systems in the body that don't require energy or there's energy shut off from certain systems in the body to optimize um, us surviving. Uh, and the digestive system is, is one of those systems. Um, and then there's other systems in the body. Uh, do you have any insight there on maybe what else gets impacted? 
So, oh. well, definitely the reproductive. Reproductive, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but we would, our, like our nervous system obviously gets, like would be stimulated. Mm. Yeah. Um, and what isn't it? The pupils dilate and the um, the heart will start beating much faster. So the cardiovascular system will like beat faster. Um, so like the whole body's in a different state, you know, when we're in that sympathetic nervous yeah. system. It's like putting the car into six gear. Yeah. So <laughs> in the parasympathetic nervous system mm. is when we're in that rest and digest place, yeah. as they call it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really important for us to be able to find techniques and ways to bring ourselves into the parasympathetic nervous system. Mm. And a lot of the time we don't even know we're, we're under stress. No. You know, it's, we're like, oh, no, I'm, I'm grand, grand. And you wouldn't even realize that like, oh, shit, actually, you know, the, the, even just the thoughts that I'm creating in my head, like the stories that I'm making up or the negative chatter that I'm telling myself like these are stress this is stress it's, yeah. and you know I don't think that many people are aware of no. that then people think like oh my god I've got so much to do and like oh like that stress but actually it's even stressful on the body when we're saying to ourselves like oh god I really don't look great today I don't really want to go out to the world or you know that's also stressful on on the system definitely and them mm. thoughts seem to feed more of those thoughts it's uh, exactly it's a cycle yeah and I think that a lot of the time we don't realize this until we're reflecting at a later date or we're journaling or some a friend brings it to our attention and I've found that meditation is an amazing tool for uh, developing the awareness to catch them thoughts a bit quicker um but uh like you said i think there's so many people that don't realize it and i think people who do realize it even struggle with realizing <laughs> yeah exactly you know? yeah 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 so i suppose that you know the nutritional therapy i knew would be an a, a part of where yeah, i was going great. and i kind of wanted i wanted to i was nearly about to go to ballymaloo actually i was so close to going Where's to Bal ballymaloo is like you know, the most famous chef right. school oh, in Ireland, yes. in Cork. Yes, actually. And you go for three months and it's like really intensive, but it costs like, I don't know, 25 grand wow. or something, you know. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, but I didn't want to go and learn to cook traditional food with wheat and butter. And, you know, I knew that I wanted to learn something new and something different. So um, I just, you know, this is... Um, Something that I found in my life, I um, so I'm I'm a generator in human design. I don't know if you know much about that. A little bit, not too much. Um, well, there's there's different um different designs: uh, generator, manifesting generator, the manifester, the projector, and the reflector. And seventy percent of us are generators or manifesting generators, and we tend to respond to life. So we can just wait for things to come into our lives. To, and then respond to them. Gotcha. So, so it's be better for us to do that than yeah. than initiating something. Right. You know, so so I and then when I found it out, I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Because when I remember when I was in the bank and I was like, I just waited. I was just like, I just know that like something's going to come, you know, and I surrendered and mm. I just stayed in the bank and I wasn't like, oh, my God, I have to get out of here now. Where am I going to go? What am, what am I going to do? I was like, I just had this trust that something was going to appear. And then this customer came in to the bank and she, for some reason, I was on the teller point that day and I'd always be on foreign exchange. And She came to me at the teller point, but she actually came to the wrong teller. She was meant to go to foreign exchange, so I had to send her to foreign exchange. Mm -hmm. But she'd asked me like, oh, I'm taking out dollars or whatever. And I, and I was like, I, for some reason, I asked her like, oh, what do you do in the States? And she's like, I'm a natural chef. 
And I just got goosebumps there, actually. And uh, I'm like, oh, what's a natural chef? And she's like, oh, I studied in this place, Bowman College in California. And then I just started writing it down. She's like, what are you interested? And I was like, yeah, totally. So I took all the details down. And then when she left, I asked the the girls, I was like, who who was that? Who was that girl? And oh, but yeah, it's funny, actually. She That's Party Boy's wife. Do you know Party <laughs> from Boy Jackass. from Jackass? Oh, my God. Yeah, Chris Pontius' yeah, wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so like I then I went home, right, and I Googled um, the college and I just fell in love with the curriculum. I was just like, oh, my God, this is like the perfect thing for me. And I it just had all these buzzes down my body. Mm. It was just like, this is, I'm responding and my body yeah. is responding to this. And then my parents were like, oh, my God, what? You're going to leave the bank? Like, that's so secure. And, you know, but... Your future. Get yeah, your pension set yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, you know, they came around, my mum came around anyway and was like, do you know what, actually, do I think you should go? Right. And then I was like, well, once I have, if I have their backing on yeah. this, and then... How old were you at this point? I was 30. 30, right? Yeah, right. when I found out about the course, yeah, yeah, I was 30, yeah. And you had this interest kind of stewing for a while. Exactly. No pun intended. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and uh. yeah, so this... Um, this this idea turned into like a a real thing for mm. sure. I was like, I'm going. Yeah. And my dad was like, Oh, actually, I know someone that lives in San Francisco. Um, she was a pupil of mine in school, and I don't know. I'll see if I can find her contact details because she ran her own cookery school in San Francisco. Oddly enough, the only person he knew there ran a cookery school, and <sighs> we wanted to find out about visas. So he was like, I'll I'll find out where you know an email for her. And I'll ask her about the visas. And she's like, oh, look, do you know what? I don't know anything about visas, but I have an apartment that she can stay in while she's here. And it was literally five minute cycle from the school. Wow. Like it, on Google Maps, if you Google it, maps it, it's literally a straight line down the road. Like, and she gave me her, bi her bike while I was there. They insured me on their car. And I was like, when I got there, I was like, how much rent do I owe you? And they were just like, no, 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 it's free. Just as long as you mind our house and our chickens and our our cat when we go away. Yeah. So wow. like that is that's the universe, like giving you a gift of you're doing the right thing here. Like yeah. this is what I felt anyway, part. you know, and, and you felt that on some level. I you know? totally felt yeah. that, you know, I was like, I you was just, an alignment, an alignment of yeah. like, and you know what it is as well? You know, I think there's a, there's a line in that um, book, the artist way, Julia Cameron, like oh, one, yeah. once you dedicate your life to creativity, you synchronicities will, will occur. You know, so it's like I dedicated my life to cooking this and this course was all about cooking for people who were ill. So it was like a per, to, to become a personal chef for people who were ill. So it was like I'm going to be in service while I'm also being creative. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it was very much like, you know, this is Too the right. Yeah, outlets, exactly. Helping people and then the creative field is, yeah, you know, has such a purity to it. Yeah, that's the word for it. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I just had like the most amazing thing. I was there for eight months, but the course was six months long. And I just like and every day I was just like cycling to school in this awe of like gratitude. Like, oh, I can't believe I'm here. Like, this is so amazing. I just like, wow. It just felt so incredible inside to be able to be there. It felt so lucky. And I yeah. imagine that you were feeling that way and the gratitude was like, uh, you know, uh, flowing through you that um, life over there happened very smoothly uh, and had an ease to it 
and almost like uh, how everything unraveled and all the happenings in life was all very uh, spontaneous and uh, beautiful. Exactly. You know? And yeah. I think that that is very strongly correlated to where you are at, what's going on in your mind and, you know, the, everything that's happening in you, which to me is kind of like uh, an indicator that, you know, um, you know, reality is produced by the mind. <laughs> exactly. And then I also, like when I was there, I was like, oh, but, you know, I don't even know if I want to be a chef, but I just feel like I have to do this course. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't even like, I'm coming home and I'm being a chef. You know, I was just like, I'm doing that course because it sounds amazing. And then when I got home, I, I kind of tried to do the personal chefing for a while and it did, like nothing really panned out. I probably wasn't, I, I probably wasn't passionate enough about the actual personal chefing side of things. Mm. But then I got a call from an old friend, uh, Finn Murray. He's, he, he he owns a hopsack in Rat Mines, the health store. Finn. Yeah, and I had said, I don't want to, you know, be in a kitchen where I'm cutting carrots for some other chef. I want to be the creative person and I want to cook what I want to cook and he was like hey do you want to come and work in the hopsack and create the whole menu and I was like what what's the hopsack it's a so restaurant it's, it's a health store and right. at the time they were they were selling blazing salads do you know that company in town I don't so they I lived away for like five years came back at the start of COVID or three or four years and I feel like I've kind of missed out I'm like a bit of an alien to the Dublin scene you know Okay, so learn, yeah, yeah, yeah. learning lots. Well, Blazing Salads is a company in yeah. town where they were they were buying the salads and selling them in in the health store in the Hopsack. Right. But they decided to stop doing that. So then Finn was like, "Okay, now is the time to do our own food. I'm going to call in Nikki." And what? yeah, I set that up, and I was there for four years, and it like went really, really well. Yeah. And um, you got the creative uh, freedom that you were exactly, craving. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was beautiful. It was really beautiful. Yeah. Um, but I, I went, then I just got like, okay, I, I call to, to leave. I was like, you know, my life was really stagnant. It just felt like there was no, nothing was going anywhere mm. at all. Nothing in my life. Everything was just stagnant. So I was like, okay, I need to shake this up a bit. So I went online and looked at um, yogatrade.com where right. there's just loads of chef jobs or no, lo loads of anything to do with yoga or retreat centers. Right jobs so you pay a little bit of money I think it was 25 euro and then I got um, ads coming in for chefs all the time and Costa Rica just kept coming up so there was one place that I nearly went to and I would have been working as a, like an intern in this place and I wouldn't have been able to leave I think it was like miles out from anywhere and I, I, there wasn't the place wasn't wasn't available when I when I looked at it and then they were like, yeah, it's available. But at that point, this Farm of Life ad came up. So I had two places to choose from. And when I saw the Farm of Life, I was just like, oh, my God, this place is insane. Like, I have to go here. I just, <laughs> oh, my God, I fell in love. Like, without even being there, I just looked at the videos and talked to the people there. And I was like, this is the place I need to be. So it was a healing center. So like half of the year, they... They um like people come to heal like autoimmune conditions and cancer and like people who are who are really sick come mm. a little bit like Hippocrates, you know, like they it's although that's like super expensive to go to. This is like like that. I've, but I've like, heard of the Hippocrates. Yeah, it's like a really old um doctor that set up these centers for for healing. Right. Yeah. So um. This, so alternative approaches. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So they would, a lot of people would come and they just eat fruit for like, they just eat tons of fruit and juice and 
and people were healing and I was just like oh my god this is completely different to nutritional therapy that what I would have seen in nutritional therapy like we'd have been like oh don't eat too much fruit now there's too much sugar in that you know whereas this is just like people eating bananas and papayas all day long and you can see the difference in them you know like they're people healing fibromyalgia psoriasis um ulcerative colitis um Crohn's disease um like no one left wow. there without seeing a massive improvement in their health. And I was just like, this is insane. I'm- did you feel skeptical at all throughout that process going there? Did, did you, you know, from your background and I suppose, um, was there any doubts or did you just, was it too uh, obvious Well, and compelling? Like I, when I got there, I was like, Jesus, this like seems a bit weird that they're eating so much fruit. But, you know, I just couldn't get my head around it. Um, and then, but then when I witnessed the people healing, I was like, okay, but then of course it's not all, it's not just about the fruit. It's the fact that they're away from their stressful lives. Yeah. They're in the jungle, they're drinking fresh water, organic, um, they're away from pollution. They're, you know, doing yoga, they're doing meditation, they're lazing by the pool, they're connecting to nature, they're walking barefoot, like all of the things put together, you know, holistic. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, and that like even I, I believe from an epigenetic uh, point of view, like when you expose yourself to like meditation and different environments that it like activates different genes in your body. So that alone like can be very influential in causing a, a shift or a change. Um, exactly. And that deserves a lot of recognition there. Just the power of, I think, uh, environment and people and how influential that is over us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, big time. And and as well, there's a lot of plant medicines that were taken on the farm, off the farm, but like not everyone that came through were taking yeah. plant medicine, but it was an option. Yeah. Um, so Costa Rica seems to be very rich for like its um, options there in terms of uh, plant medicine, like these kind of different retreats. Would they, is that what you've seen when you were there or? Yeah, of course. Well, you see, like there are a lot of um, expats, I suppose you'd call yeah. it. Call it like I, I would have sat in ceremony with um, my the the man who was serving me ayahuasca. His name was Kevin O'Neill, and his dad was from Tralee. Um, you know, he's from he's he's born in America. Um, like you know, so you're not getting the like indigenous mm. way that you would be like if you were doing it in like Peru or. Um, other places like in the, in the rainforest in the Amazon or whatever um, so like I, I'm not sure I can't yeah I, I can't say what is different so so different about it because I'm only I only experienced Kevin yeah. <laughs> and there was I think there was a South African woman I worked with Nicole as well um, so I think there's you know a lot of Americans that are searching for you know the spiritual path and a lot of them are kind of set up there so yeah. they, it's grown so much in Costa Rica, that kind of, you know, tribe, community, spiritual awareness and consciousness. You know, it's it's um, a real kind of hub for that. You and agree. People call it. Well, yeah, actually. And I felt that as, as well. It was like a, a, it's like a womb. It's like people go there and they're in this womb, this like kind of feeling of like growth while you're there. And mm. then when you leave, you're like, you know, birth back out into the real world. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's so sorry, just to say that like when I saw those people healing and then I got skeptical, I did, but then when I saw the results, I was like, I'm doing this. I want to do this for yeah. myself, right? Because 
I had this journey with the HPV virus. Yeah. Could you just maybe explain what that is? Yeah. The context for anyone who's yeah, listening. Yeah, because like, I feel like I assumed that everyone knows what this is, but no, I didn't. it's like, yeah. it's actually a really high percentage of people that don't know what it is. And one of those reasons I think is because men can't be tested for it, right? which is ridiculous. Uh, it leaves all the responsibility on the women. But um, so it's, it's, it is an STI. Yeah. You know, right. but you don't even necessarily have to have sex to get it from someone because it, it does, like it is skin to skin, mm. you know. So even if you, you know, might pick it up on the floor of a, of a in your, if you're swimming somewhere and you're in the oh. showers or something like that, right. you know, you can pick it up through your feet because it also can give you warts and stuff as well. But the one that I had was um, a strain HPV 16, which causes abnormal cells to form on the cervix. So it doesn't, sorry, it doesn't cause, it may cause, you know, some people might have the virus, but it may never do anything in the body and they may never know they have it at all. Yeah. And for anyone who doesn't know what the cervix is, that's the, um, could you explain inside of the vaginal wall, is it? Yeah. So it's, it's basically the canal of where, you know, the sperm would enter through yeah. the, through the vagina and then also then, um, you'd give birth through the cervix. Right. So like the cervix would dilate yeah. when you're giving birth. Yeah. Mm. Um, and yeah, I went through the medical system, like, you know, because they're really good. They're actually really good at looking after you and monitoring you, making sure that it doesn't get to a point where you're going to get cancer. Cause did, you, did you notice that you had this or no. was it a checkup that revealed no. it? It's very, very rare that people would notice they have it. Yeah. And what's the percentage of people that would? Uh, 95% of people will have HPV in their lives. Right. Well, yeah. A lot of people recover because the cells replace. So your immune system really, a lot of the time, will get rid of HPV virus. Yeah. But sometimes it doesn't. So I suppose it depends on whether, you know, what how you well your immune system's working. And sometimes the virus can live dormant in the body for so long. And then if something happens traumatic in your life or if something like um, you get sick or a different virus comes along, then the HPV virus might take over. So like a lot of women will find out that they they have HPV virus after being with someone for like, you know, six or seven years. Mm. And then their partner's like, oh, we're like, what? Were you sleeping around? You know, yeah. and a lot of women are really like, oh, God, I don't know if I can tell my partner that I have this STI. They're going to think that I was doing the dirt on them. And they could have potentially been the one to give it to them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah you know, because the man can't get checked. Why can the man not get checked? I don't know. And I think they can. In some countries, they may do that now, but they don't in Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seems like, you know, something that could be done. Um, but yeah. like may be less invasive as well for a man, potentially, than it would be for a woman or would have to, to. To get checked? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like for us, we get, you know, you've probably heard of a smear test. Yeah. 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 So like women would be asked to go in for a smear test like um, every three years or something. And the smear, it used to be that it would just show, it might show abnormal cells. Mm. But now they now they just test for the, the virus. And if the virus is present, then they'll be more cautious with the person. If the virus is not present, then they just basically are like, I oh, know you're grand to come back right. in another three years. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you got, you went through the medical system. Um, this was revealed to you that you had this and you start kind of getting curious and want to know more. Yeah, so I well, I was because I was studying nutritional therapy. I was kind of like, it's obviously like something I can do about yeah, this. It's not course. just the only thing that they would tell me is that don't smoke. You know, that's the only advice they'd have lifestyle wise. And I'm like, well, if they're saying that, there has to be some other things as well that's got to help 
to get rid of this virus. But I, I did loads of different research. But to be honest, I don't think I was ever fully dedicated to it. Do you yeah. know, I, I, I was like, oh, I'll just get that supplement and get that supplement and I'll be healthier, you know. But I never really had a clear intention or I just, yeah, I definitely didn't put my full focus on, yeah, on healing. Priority. Say again? It wasn't like your main priority. It was maybe more of like a passive exactly. thing you were trying to yeah. do on the side. And I was still out partying yeah. as well, you know, still the weekends going drinking <laughs> and stuff. So like, you know, I, I do think that um, there, a big part of it was like I needed to actually change my lifestyle, you know, as well as diet and supplements. And, you know, it, a healing journey like that does take a lot of intention and, and you know, there is effort involved in it as well. So, um. I just realized that I was in the perfect place to do that when I was in Costa Rica. I was like, this is now my chance, you know, and I'm not saying that you have to go to Costa Rica to heal by any means. <laughs> it's totally possible to do it from home as well. Yeah. But um, I or, just got... Or with the help of yourself. Well... You know? That's something that you're uh, doing, isn't it? Well, that's it as well. I mean, I've done... Because I've done so much research now, like I had it for 14 years, you yeah. know, so like over those 14 years, I would have done a lot of research and... I've also had the let's treatment is when they scrape the cells of the cervix off in order to try and take away the abnormality. Right. So it doesn't form more into into cancer. So and that's, I, the, that's the main concern with this, is it that yeah, it forms into cancer? Exactly. And do we, do, do we know the percentage of kind of people that have this, that it turns into cancer? Is it Yeah, it's really low. Like, is it? It is right. really low, like, but obviously it's completely it's possible. And it, yeah. it is 90... How much is it? It's like it's um it's well up in the nineties um percentage wise on how many of the cervical cancer is caused by HPV. Yeah. Do you know it's a right. really high amount of so HPV is gotcha. is the main thing that will mm. cause cervical cancer. Yeah, so that's concerning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like for me, because I have had the less treatment, which is where they scrape the cells off, and I've had that twice. Mm. And the third time I was like no, I'm not doing this again. This is not working for me. Yeah. You know, and I've seen people where it works and I've seen people where it works for a long time and then they have HPV again. Um, and I've seen people where it doesn't work. You know, there's me I've got lots of clients coming through and each of them have a very yeah. different story about the let's treatment and how it worked for them. And that was an intense experience for you. Yeah, like, I mean, it, you know, even just the thoughts of that, like... Oh, you know, mm. like, oh, you know, you get numbed, but still like just to scrape away. It's like that. And, and a lot of people are like, a lot of the doctors or nurses, sometimes they don't have that that compassion. They're in either. I don't know. Maybe some of the nurses have gone through it because a lot of women have. But like, I just feel like the compassion's not there when you go into the hospital and you're kind of like, OK, yeah, sure. Yeah, you have loads of questions. Uh, but, you know, we we have the next patient coming in yeah. and they don't get that. So that's what I really want to offer for women is that compassion and the I'm not trying to I don't want to tell people not to get the let's treatment because I know there's some practitioners out there that are like, you don't need the let's treatment. You just need to heal naturally and you will. But like sometimes it is a better option for women to, yeah. to get the let's treatment for, for peace of mind more than anything, because I do get rid of some of the cells. That's not to say it, that can, it can come back again. Mm. But I feel like because I've had the experience of going through that process twice and then coming out and then healing naturally, I've kind of experienced all of the, the options. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So I have compassion for each and every step of the way. 
you know, and then also like with all of the holistic therapies that I've studied and, and looked into over the years, like to bring in that holistic way of healing, yeah. I feel can so help women, even if they're like not going to, you know, get rid of HPV virus straight away, their frame of mind will change, their body physically will hopefully change as well and in, in, and just feel more healthy and in, healthier in themselves, you know, and then in time, I, I feel... There's a lot to do with um, boundaries and like sexual shame and, you know, so we can hold on to a lot of energy in that area, yeah. you know, in that like cervical area. Like if we've been abused or if we've let uh, someone in that we didn't really want to let in or, you know, feeling, you know, shame around even just having the STI. Um, that shame can be held onto in the, the cervical area. So I work with women to try and let go of that shame, to try and release the area. So then wow. that there's more energy flowing to be able to release the virus, as well as working obviously with nutrition and yeah. um, and embodiment, you know, embodying and self-love and all of that. So they're, they're yeah. much better frame of mind for the body to heal. And it just seems like there's a wealth of other benefits like um, outside of healing the virus in itself that you're offering there, um, which are so uh, important. You know, we kind of touched on it earlier on and saying that, um, you know, a lot of a lot of these thoughts, these negative thoughts that we produce, we haven't got awareness over them. They kind of just play out. Um, and with kind of the women that maybe you're dealing with, they don't even realize the baggage they're holding on to, or maybe women in general, like on cultural shame and how that's had an impression on the body and the unconscious and just um, having these outlets of, you know, taking care of yourself from a nutritional perspective, a wellness perspective, or having uh, someone like yourself there to guide or assist uh, can have such just immense benefits on their overall quality of life and um, just feeling more settled in their bodies on a physical level. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that's really important for 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 all women actually yeah. to have the ability to, to let go of that. You know, because I think I don't know the percentage, but I'm sure it's a very high percentage of women that have felt some sort of shame around like any of those things that I mentioned, especially like boundaries, you know, and like not being not having clear boundaries with ourselves, you know, and you know, you might end up with someone that you, you know, didn't want penetration and then, mm. you know, you end up doing that anyway. And then after you're like, oh, why did I do that? Like, I didn't want to do that. And I just did, shame. you know, and now I feel shameful that like I let someone in that I didn't want to let in. And that is know? a physical response you have there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, absolutely. that shame and, yeah. you know, maybe feeling whatever you're feeling yeah. after like that. There's a, a physical physical reaction to that. Yeah, yeah, and and I I do think sometimes alcohol can be to blame for a lot of those those things that can that can happen like that. Yes, <laughs> you know? it seems to be. Yeah. Uh, you know, always there, uh, playing its part. You know, and a lot of these things happen, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just seems like I suppose the I, I don't know Catholic kind of influence in Ireland has a big part to play here with with these kind of feelings of shame and maybe like. Uh, just uh, men, masculine culture as well. Um, what are your thoughts on where we're at as a culture in uh, coming out of that or, uh, you know, how much work we have left to do? I think it's there is a massive shift um, that's been happening over like quite a long period of time. Um, but I also think that there's still a lot more 
to it's a lot more work to be done. Um, I like I think that there's there's a lot of people kind of there's a lot of talk around this and there's a lot of things happening around this, which is like, you know, healing our ancestral wounds and that, and that we can heal our, you know, seven generations back and seven generations forward. And I think there's a lot of people doing that work right now in the world, you know, it's like, how can we, how can we step into that place where we stop the patterns from, from happening and playing out? Could you just expand on that, like ancestral wounds? Because I, I feel like someone listening to this podcast that hasn't heard that before and talking about, you know, healing, uh, you know, past generational wounds will have a light bulb going off in their head or some question marks. Well, yeah, I suppose like, you know, if you're looking at, um, you know, it's everything that is past, we're conditioned by our parents, yeah. you know, and they were conditioned by their parents and so on and so on. And then Much also... Much more than we realise. Yeah, of course. And Much also more. by the government and you know our our communities and you know there's so much that we are conditioned by so like depending on what was happening in the lives of our parents then you know we're going to be conditioned in a certain way than when we're born so um like you know say if our say even just our granny was abused in some way sexually abused in some way and then that trauma can be passed on to the the child um in whatever way there's so many ways that it could be passed on um and then yeah it just keeps on being you know passed on those woundings like in in a, in a certain way that um is can be deep inside of us that we're completely unaware of or else then sometimes we can actually become aware of like a certain way that we might react to something or we may fear something you know even like you know different things that we fear is passed on. Yeah. Like spiders. spiders yeah. Do you know? Snakes, we have such a strong, fearful reaction yeah. to that. Yeah. So it's like, how can you break that pattern so you don't yeah. pass it on to the, the next year offspring, you know? I think uh, one thing I'm realizing as I get older and kind of reflect and do inward work is that, like, just how much of uh, myself is a byproduct of my conditioning. You know, as a mm. 16, 17 year old, you kind of have this arrogance about you that you think you're just fully independent and you're fully in control and have it all figured out. Um, <laughs> and that you're like, parents are uh, the enemy almost. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's us and them a little bit. Uh, you get older and you realize that we're all just people, but you kind of start to see these patterns more and just see how like, whoa, like that's not my own behavior. That behavior is because of this conditioning. Um, yeah. And I think it's 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 accepted in uh, in even science or just been research done around how even when a man um you know in the three months before he conceives a baby like the conditions that he has himself under like whether it be stress actually gets um impressioned on the sperm yeah and that sperm then goes into the egg and then the state that the mother is in uh, over the nine months um that all plays in to contribute into the traits that that uh, baby will have exactly. when it comes into the world. Yeah. Um, which is fascinating. Yeah. And also that like, you know, you were in your your granny, uh, you know, because the eggs, the eggs of your mother were in your, her mother. Right. Do you know what I mean? Wow. So I didn't know that. Yeah. But yeah. 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 And so on. So on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I always laugh because... You know, I laugh when people call bullshit on things or like when they say something is too out there to believe. Because I'm just like, are you, hold on a minute, like you're you're telling me that, you know, we literally grow, we come out of our, our father's penis <laughs> into yeah. an egg in our mother's body 
and we grow from nothing into a little human and then come out and now here we are. And like you're going to say that that's not the most outrageous thing you've ever seen. I know. And then yeah, be like, yeah, oh, yeah. no, that's too, that's, that's too out there to believe. You know, where do you draw the line with these things? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, there was something that someone said um, recently and it was something similar. It wasn't it wasn't humans, but it was something else. And like l- looking at that was just like, you know, if we can believe that concept, then you know, how can we not believe this concept? And, you know, this, yeah, there's obviously things that we can clearly see that perceive and we know that it's true. But then there's certain things that like might not be fully there for us to see. And then, you know, people are obviously skeptical. Yeah. But how how can we observe the reality that we know is true and truth about it according to science, which is apparently the best tool that we've developed as a society to analyze, you know, reality. Like, how can we look at this um, reality that we're existing in, know that actually fundamentally it's just all filled with air and it doesn't actually exist, it's just an illusion. Yeah. How how can we know this, accept this in physics and science, like accepted by, you know, the brightest minds in the world, but then like the idea of anything that exists outside anything we've been able to observe according to science is, is kind of ridiculed. No, no. Hold on a minute. No, reality is an illusion and it's full of air. Atoms are full of air and it's not actually really real what we're seeing. But... This other thing, no, that's not, that's bullshit. Yeah, 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 I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of so outlandish, I think. Um, I know. It's, we shouldn't disregard anything. No, it's so hard to know what to believe. And like, this is for me now, I am just so open yeah. to anything. Like, I will only believe something unless, unless I, if I see it, if I see it, and I've, if I have seen it and I've experienced it, then, you know, I'll have more scope to actually fully believe yeah. Whereas if it's something that I'm like, oh, that's totally out there, but I'm totally open to it being true. Even if it's like completely, completely out there, I'm like, how do I know if it's not true? I, I can't exactly. tell you that. And that's, <laughs> to me, that's the, the, the healthiest stance. It's like, I'm not going to, even if I hear something that my first reaction is like, that sounds like bullshit. That's way too out there. Yeah. I'll always arrive at the space that will ultimately, I don't know. And it would be foolish of me to get attached to any opinion here. Because if I tell myself that it's completely true, well, then I'm doing myself a disservice. And if I go the other direction and say, this is absolutely bullshit, I'm doing myself a disservice because I'm getting attached to these ideas and these assumptions that are based off nothing. I know. And I just don't think that, uh, yeah, look, standing in the position of um, being the observer without becoming too attached. Do you know what what a big one is at the moment that's coming up, like loads of people are talking about the chemtrails? Right. The, have you uh, seen that coming up on social media? Like, like people uh, are posting of, photos right. of the the lines in the sky, yeah. and um, videos of like, look at these lines in the sky. This is not normal. Like, this they're supposed to dissipate. They're supposed to go away after yeah. the plane go the jet goes through, and they're not. They're just sticking around. Like, and mm. you know, it's like you know, people will be like, oh, you're total com- conspiracy. Not like they're just lines from the jets, and you know, I can totally see both sides. And Same. I, I'm like. I just open to the possibility of it being true. I I'm open also open to it being bullshit as well. I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> no, and I, I look I love that, you know, and it's yeah. where it's where I tried to position myself regardless of my initial reaction like why you know, we can't prove, like, unless you can prove either. Yeah. Well, then you shouldn't stand on either side of the fence. I know. Based up because we're flawed or we've got biases. We've got all these heuristics that, you know, our thinking isn't actually as uh, uh, fine as we think it is. <laughs> um, and um, 
yeah, I just think it's healthy just to, you know, stand in the middle uh, a lot of these times. And just that word conspiracy, I just feel like it's such a strong word. And when you just, you know, if someone has an out there idea and you throw that word, it just completely, um, like, uh, disregards that person and anything they say has so much negative weight attached to it. Yeah, you think Tim yeah, yeah. Ha, and then all of a sudden, everything that this person thinks is tarnished. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's just something yeah, yeah. very unjust about it. I know. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, chemtrails. I know, <laughs> Watch yeah. Watch over them. It was, just, it was just something that's come up loads recently and I'm like asking people like, do you believe it? Do you believe it? And yeah. you know, some people are like, no, no fucking way. Like there's no way. And some people are like, uh, no, I do. And then other people are just, you know, in the middle somewhere like myself. But that's interesting. So you've been actually asking people that question to mm. get like data on where people are at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. what have you found in doing that? You know, what have your thoughts been on how people react? Um... Well, I'm not surprised. It's, it's the usual thing. It's either you're they're like think that it's completely ridiculous. That why would why would we be why are we getting po poisoned? Like why would anyone want to do that? And then because they're poisoning themselves as well. And then other people are like, oh yeah, no, we definitely they're definitely trying to kill us, and you know <laughs> we they want they want us sick so that we take their medicines and. <laughs> What percentage of people have you asked that stand in the middle of the fence and are kind of just accepting that, like, well, I don't know either here? Um, I'd say, um, I'd say some of the, I think most of the people I asked are more inclined to like not think it's not true. But then they're like, then when I actually like go a little bit further in, they're like, oh my, like, are you a hundred percent sure? And they're like, oh, I'm, they're, well, I suppose I can't really be, you know, at the end there's, you know, there is that little bit of actually you're right. Like I, I can't tell you that I'm a hundred percent right. Yeah. Is that a realization in themselves? Do you find them? Yeah, I think so. Some of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so healthy. And it's something I think is needed, you know, that kind of, I suppose, what you call it critical thinking. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. How do we cultivate that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, question, questioning our beliefs. Yeah. You know, when you when you actually look down to it and say like, well, is that true? And like, how can you prove that to me? So like, can we not just stay open to it? It's almost like a human um, reaction to things because when I hear stuff, oftentimes I notice my mind going bullshit. Mm. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Assuming bullshit straight away. It's like the first reaction and it's the awareness over my mind doing that. And then after cultivating the habit of questioning myself, yeah, you know, I mean, like, yeah, you don't yeah. know, like, you know, yeah. really having this yeah. argument with myself. Yeah. Um, but that's something I've had to work at and cultivate. Yeah. But as humans, we like to assume skepticism or bullshit. I know. Like, what, what is that, do you think? To assume it, like, as in... The, the first reaction, like, or, you know, on either side of the fence, where do we well, go? Well, that's conditioning. Yeah. You know, it's like what, what we were growing up to believe. And then it's like it's an initial reaction to to that, and it's like what our belief systems have been throughout our yeah, lives. So yeah. you know, and then you can see it through like certain people watch the news, and certain people just won't watch the news, mm. and you know where where the belief systems are actually coming from. Mm. And I I think 
we take for granted how uh, susceptible we are to our informational streams. Mm. Now, from a conditional perspective, like how influential our parents and their belief systems are in the shape and our perceptions of the world. Yeah, exactly. And even something as simple as just like streaming into TV and watching news stations. Yeah. Like we just think that we watch this information and we think about it and we'll make our own mind up. But that's so potently influential yeah, on an unconscious yeah. level that it shapes us in ways that we don't even, uh, we can't even imagine. I, don't I think. know, yeah, um, yeah. And then on the opposite side, that's true as well. I know, big time, big time. And and actually, do you know what the same goes, I think, for healing in that regard of like belief and like, you know, doctors, some doctors will come along and tell someone who has something, HPV virus or an autoimmune condition, you're you can't heal that like that's you're you've got that for life now you have to deal with that you have to be on meds for the rest of your life or like telling someone that they're terminally ill cancer with cancer or something oh you're you only have a few months to live that person probably will die in a few months then because they've got that belief now yeah. that, that they are going to die you know whereas if we can change our beliefs around certain things then we have a much bigger chance like it's the most studied thing in in science is placebo I was, just, right? I was just about to say because, like every single, every single scientific study yeah. that that is regarded as, you know, a, a decent paper will have a placebo. It has, to, it has to like it's a you know the oh, what's the terminology, um, the double split experiment. You know, like it's the most effective method that we have. Like yeah, run, double blind placebo. Double, double yeah. blind placebo. Like yeah. run, run a control group against the actual group. Yeah, and I that's know. How you yeah. get the results. And the, the 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 doctor can't know that that what they're giving and the patient can't know no, either because that influences. The yeah, results. exactly. And and they know that, right? So that's how much power the mind has over the body. Like, and you know, yet it's not really like talked about no you know and it's like but this is so proven like in every single study it's proven yeah. that the placebo works to, to some extent look i think the placebo is extraordinary and um like the power of the mind like one study comes to uh mind where they uh, got a control group who uh, against the real group uh, essentially did a weightlifting um program over six weeks so one group lifted the weights and the other group just used their mind. Yes. So they actually yeah. just like, they sat down, closed their eyes and visualized themselves doing the workout. So they go through the motions of lifting the weights, like say it's a, you yes, know, a yeah. whatever rep it is. And after the six weeks, they actually analyzed the uh, growth, um, muscle growth in the group that weren't actually lifting weights. And it was like up to like a 25% like growth <laughs> in muscle synthesis, <laughs> which is just the most fucked up, bizarre thing. I know. Like, so you're telling me that people like just closed their eyes and thought about working out and that influenced them on a physical level. And that's the power of the mind. That is so powerful. I've not heard the one about the weights. I think I remember reading one about um, like throwing basketball hoops or something. And they're imagining themselves throwing basketball hoops. And then, you know, they realized yeah. that they improved so much just from... Big time. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you often find that with a lot of like elite athletes, like the amount of energy they put into like visualization and yes, how important that yeah, is yeah, to yeah. actually influence their performance. And that's the power of the mind because what that kind of suggests is that like just by visualizing, you actually influence the motor patterns, you know, and you you, you improve them to carry out the function of uh, throwing a ball. And yeah. um, to me, that just really brings it around to how strongly related um, the mind is to reality. Exactly. And what we experience. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. how reality unfolds for us. Yeah. And like the assumptions and beliefs that we actually have, have a very substantial um, 
connection to us physically mm, and to our experience mm. of life and to how we actually experience reality. Exactly. Which, you know, is unique to each of us. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and I think as well, that is one of the reasons why I healed my HPV is because I had the intention, full intention of healing. And then I had full belief that I would. Did it get to a point for you where you just got sick of, you know, maybe... I don't know, half arson, if that's the you know word that was is yeah, right because yeah. you said you were like kind of taking supplements, you were, you know, obviously reading a lot and putting a lot of energy into it. Yeah. But on the side, you were, you know, not fully serious about it. Exactly. You weren't fully committed. Exactly. So it got to a yeah. point um, for you, where was the change where you decided well, it was that? When they, when they needed, when they said they were going to do the third right. treatment on me, yeah. the last treatment, I was like, no. I'm not doing that again. Like, this is not working. You know, that's when I was like, okay, now I'm going to actually really properly do something about this to heal naturally. And I even said it to them. I was like, look, I'm going off for six months. I'll come back in six months. I I'm not, I don't want to do it. So please let me go and, and see if I can do this. And they were like, yeah, okay, fine. And then, of course, when I came back and I was healed, they were just like, oh, Wow. Okay. Like the, the crazy thing is, you see, this is again, the universe looking out for me big time, right? Because I got back and I was only back for two weeks. And when I went in to get checked, they look, they, they do a camera up to see the cervix and they were like, no, it's worse. You need to get the treatment done. And I was like, what? I couldn't believe it. I was absolutely distraught. I was like, I had so much faith in my healing process that I was like hundred percent sure that I'd healed. And, um, they were like, no, it's not healed. You need to get the treatment. So she then she emailed me. She rang me. She um, all the ways you can contact someone. She was like, you know, consistently saying you have to come in and get the treatment. You have to come back in and get the treatment. But she did the tests on me, but the test results weren't going to be back in time for me to leave to go back to Costa Rica again. So they were like, we're just going to have to get you in to do the treatment without the results. And then I got totally bombarded by my family, my friends, like everyone going like, you have to get the treatment. Like you're so selfish if you don't go and get the treatment done, which I think is ridiculously selfish on their part because it's my body and I should be able yeah. be the one to, you know, say what happens Definitely. to it. But they're obviously concerned. No, I know. It's it's all place, well and good. I know. It is ironic, isn't It's it? coming <laughs> from a good place. Yeah. I totally understand <laughs> that. But, you know, I, I just was like, oh no, this is not fair. Um, but look, in the end, I decided to get the treatment and I went in to get it. But the lady had messed up my appointment. The secretary, she was like, you don't have an appointment today. And I was like, well, actually I do. And she's like, no, you don't. Sorry, the doctor's gone home. You're not you're not coming in for the treatment. And I was like, oh, well, that's that's my mind made up. Then I'm not getting the treatment. But my parents were like, no, we're going to pay for another flight back to Costa Rica. You're going to change your flight. You're going to tell them you're going to be late and you're going to get the treatment next week. And I was like, oh, fuck. OK, right. So I'll go back and, and do that. And um, I went back in the next week and the doctor had my results and it was all clear. Wow. So if she hadn't messed up my appointment, I would have gotten my cervix scraped off for no reason again. That's incredible. Do you know, so top spirit was looking out for me uh, and big just time the that day. To get into opinions, you know, that's well, it. That's so important. I just got goosebumps there. Like that is a big thing. To, yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. it's so, we like you know, we give so much power to authority, uh, and this has been well studied. Like the power that we give to authority, and when someone comes in a position of authority and gives us information, we just take it on board as the fact. But, you know, we are human, we are flawed in all our different jobs and professions. And it's just so important, I think, when you're dealing with these issues, 
to get a second opinion. I know. You know, I know. Not because you're questioning, you know, the doctor or anyone who's giving you this information, but just for the sake of certainty. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And and like I think a big thing in that as well is that you know, with with um, I think you know the way that the these doctors or nurses are trained, like their own. This is the way they're trained to go do these procedures, and that's what there is. Do you mm-hmm. know? Whereas there are a lot of other ways that we can look at to to heal. And um, you know, even I said to them then, I was like, you know, I went off for the six months to do the protocol, and I told them I was doing this, and I was like, I've got a lot of scientific studies to show you, and. And the doctor was kind of like, okay, send them on. I sent them on to the hospital email. Obviously, no one replied and I don't know where those emails went. But then when I got back I, and I was like, yeah, I, you know, I took this mushroom complex and I this and I like I told them all of the things that I did in order to heal, which was a lot of things, um, which probably wasn't all necessary, but I just wanted to put my whole and heart yeah, into sure. it. Um, and they just said, oh, coincidence. That's what he put it down to. Yeah. So there was no shock. There was no nope. reaction of nope. like, whoa. No, no. I had it for 14 years. And there, like, was, there was no serious consideration <laughs> about potential, like the potential, like, like, oh, you actually, you were able to legitimately. No, 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 no. <sighs> Close minded to the fact yeah. that I did that myself. Like they were just like, no, you just got lucky. That's what there was. That was yeah, the... just a coincidence. Yeah. And did you challenge them on that? Did you nah. get into anything? No, I didn't bother. That's extraordinary. Yeah. It's extraordinary that, you know, not even the, like, just the lack of consideration, just the kind of quickness to go to, um, all coincidence. I, yeah, I know. It's mad, isn't it? So, you know, for yourself, what you think happened is you arrived at this place of giving it serious importance and you set your intention, you made it your priority. Uh, Like, what, what are the contributing factors do you think that actually made the difference in the end? Well, I, I think like obviously when I was there, I was I was eating like super clean and I did go on a seven week diet with the fruit because I just I want I, I love that when I'm a bit of a guinea pig like that. I like to test things on myself. Yeah. I'm like, look at the healings that are happening. Here. I want to try. I want to yeah. get in on this curiosity. And I quite enjoyed it. I was having like a smoothie for breakfast and then I'd have like sometimes I'd have like four mangoes for dinner. And, and like it's just directly off the tree and it's really really good like you know it's like, right. yeah or like you know you'd have a, like bananas just like mono meals that it's kind of like a thing where your digestive system it's much easier on the digestive system just to have one thing you know so it doesn't have to digest oh, all right, of this right. complex stuff yeah so like that's the whole kind of the 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 whole thing about eating like this to heal is that you're giving your digestive system a break because your digest system takes up like enormous amount of your energy. Yeah. So when you take that away, then your body has a lot of other things that it can work on, like your immune system. Yeah. Like healing. That's the uh, sentiment around fasting. Fasting. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like that. The lack of uh, energy required by your digestive system to digest food allows the other body's functions to kind of exactly. uh, accelerate. And uh, is that what's called a pathogy? You know, and that's like the cycling of cells in the body. Yeah. And I think a lot of um, studies have kind of implied or suggested that that uh, cycle goes up by like 2000%, you know, where your body's actually like in this accelerated state of regenerating its cells. And just because the the digestive system is not spending so much of its uh, resources, energy to uh, digest all the shite they're eating. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I did, like I found, like they were actually grow, they grew like a hundred different medicinal herbs on the farm. 
So I did my research and I found all of the ones that were anti-cancer. So every morning I'd have like a juice with all of these different leaves and mm. um, vegetables and spices and all of that kind of stuff. So a concoction of all of that. So I did that. I did that nearly every morning. Um, and then um, I was doing yoga. I was learning about meditation. I didn't really have much experience with that at all. So um did quite a bit of that. And then just did the connection to nature. And then also there was the plant medicine journeys. And then they, a lot of the, that was kind of brought in that awareness of, you know, letting go of those resentments or those shame, the shame in the cervical area and all of that kind of thing. And just really giving myself this like forgiveness and forgiveness to other people as well. You know, and I felt like that was profoundly healing. Um, and I suppose plant medicines really did help with that. So being at ayahuasca and cacao or the main two plant medicines I worked with when I was over there. And cacao, like Jesus, that's, that was a whole, like I really feel like I landed in that particular place in Costa Rica to find that cacao, that particular cacao and work with her because like it's just been such an incredible journey for me in, yeah. on my healing journey and for my, my just my, um, my, I don't know what you'd call it, just like the kind of, the growth, I suppose just the growth that I've had in myself, but also in my my work and what I can offer to the world as well. Mm, no, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Great, great. I think a lot of people, like they've, they've heard the word ayahuasca and they're yeah. familiar with ayahuasca and they know it's this powerful, you know, psychedelic plant um, and maybe some more details. But cacao, um, I think people might know that it's a high concentrated form of chocolate, is it? You yeah, know, yeah, from yeah. That grows. Could you maybe just give some insight into cacao and, um, you know, some of the uh, properties of it? Or yeah, so cacao it grows on in little, little well, big pods on on trees, and it's native to central around Central America area, and they've been using it there for millennia. You know, for for medicine. And they, well, I know in Costa Rica, actually, they kind of, they use it more for, you know, celebration, for celebrating birthdays, weddings, and um, for congratulating women on getting pregnant. And, you know, so it's it's a very, they use it as a very, like, hard opening, joyous mm. kind of way. But I think now, actually, um, it's been brought in more of a, a deeper kind of a medicine for a lot of people. So bringing it into the the meditation or the the dance or different things like that, and I feel like it's it's actually reemerging in an even more powerful way than it was by where by it is in the the tribes in well I know in Costa Rica I can't say for you know yeah. the other places where it's native to, um, so and I think I don't know I think people a lot of people would say that it, you know Keats I don't know if you've ever seen Keats cacao, no that Keats he's known as the chocolate shaman. And um, he kind of has the chocolate. Shelf. Yeah, he's exploded. He <laughs> Sounds has delicious. I know he's totally <laughs> exploded the cacao world into a way more um, deeper medicine of working with your shadows yeah. and and all of that. So, like, really, in in regards to the properties of cacao, um, it has it has this these certain chemicals and and these beautiful neurotransmitters will then be set off in 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 the brain so you've got your serotonin and your dopamine oxytocin 
and all and, and anandamide as well is known as the bliss molecule. I've heard of that one. Yeah, so How they're you it? An, an, anandamide. Anandamide. So I think anand, ananda in isn't it Sanskrit it means bliss. So anandamide right. is the bliss chemical, and yeah, these are all set off in the brain. So like we can get these more kind of feelings of love, these feelings of compassion, gratitude can come in and this this is has this ability to expand and open the heart chakra. Mm. And um it also helps then to lift cognitive function. It like sends 30% more oxygen to the brain. So our 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 creative minds can start really exploding and and you know with this we can find the spiritual aspect to it as well where you know every plant has a, has a spirit and the spirit of cacao, the one that I work with from Costa Rica is very feminine, gentle energy. Like you, you know, you're kind of given this option to to do what you what you want with with her, if you know what I mean. So like you can have the option of going to a, a, a deep place. And sometimes when the heart opens, we can you think you always think like, oh, it's going to be blissful. My heart's going to open and I'm going to feel all this joy. But sometimes our heart's going to open and we release something that we didn't know was there. And we could have these really difficult times on cacao where we're just grieving and grieving and grieving. And, you know, we realize that we never grieved the loss of a loved yeah. one. And then that can come through and that can be profoundly healing. Wow. You know, um, one of the women at a cacao ceremony I had at in Costa Rica, she hadn't slept since her husband died and she drank the cacao and she just grieved and grieved and grieved. And then like from then on, she was just able to sleep, you know, so that like that's such a powerful healing from just one cacao ceremony. Like it's you know. incredible. Yeah. And uh, so like we, we know that it does actually influence the brain in that way, like and the neurotransmitters that's and that obviously has such a massive impact us on us on a physiological level. Uh, and yeah, what what's it been like for you? Because um, you know, I sat or first time meeting, I went to the social uh, connection uh, or yeah. no, the sober connection retreat in Sligo, um, which was ran by Inward Bound, uh, yes. and you were um, uh, cooking your wonderful food at it. Thanks very much. And uh, I actually we done a cow ceremony at that. I was leading that one, was I? Yeah, you were yeah, leading yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and you're passing out uh, that the lovely cacao, and you know that was. Um, you know, the whole ceremonial kind of framework around it and the act of doing it was it was beautiful and just to see uh, what other people got out of it and uh, how other people responded what's that been like for you on this journey you know uh, holding this space for people and and seeing uh, how different people are responding and, and what they're getting out of it well that really is the like the 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 deep calling and the deep the feelings of like what I'm doing is making an impact and and really helping people in their lives. So like the feeling inside me when I see like any kind of a transformation in someone from sitting in a cacao ceremony is it just feels like that's, you know, the one of the, my reasons for living. Mm. You know, it's like I just it, I feel like I'm just sitting. I definitely when I'm serving cacao, I am in the, my most happiest state. You know, it just feels so right inside my cells that I'm working with cacao and helping other people to find ways in which they can open their hearts, you know, and bring in that more self-love, more self-belief, more um, like let go of, of past traumas or or shame or guilt or, you know, any of that. And then 
being able to forgive themselves more. And then also, you know, using cacao for a tool with manifestation works really well as well because it can bring us into those high vibe energy energy places as well. So there's there's so many ways and we ways we can use this beautiful plant medicine to increase the life satisfaction, you know, and increase our ourselves spiritually, physically as well, because it's got so many nutrients yeah, in there. And like, mentally. Yeah. And you know, the mind's optimization. Yeah. And able to cognitively perform better. Yeah. You cognitively. It's like, it's, it's, like if it stimulates dopamine as well, that's motivation. Yeah. Medicine for the heart, you know, in in like cardiovascular system as well, you know, lowers inflammation in the body, has the highest antioxidants than nearly any other food on the planet. So like that is in itself is super healing for the body. Mm. Um, And... Um, and really high in magnesium as yeah. well, which is like amazing for especially for women when they're they're going through their cycle. Um, we we crave magnesium coming up to our cycles. We losing losing the blood, you know, so it can really help with blood flow. So it can help with with menstrual cramps. Right. So there's so many ways in which it can be medicine for ourselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And you know, like obviously we have chocolate everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I feel like someone listening might be thinking, like, well, what's the difference between chocolate that I go buy in the shop or even a dark chocolate compared to this cacao that I get, you know, um, in these other regions? Yeah. Um, like, what would your thoughts be on that? Well, I would say, like, you know, time and process is a big thing. So, like, money is time. So, you know, these chocolate companies, obviously, they're looking to make a profit from this being. So what are they going to do to make profit? They're going to try and process it as quickly as they possibly can. And um, they're going to, the way to do that is to to heat it at high temperatures. And then, of course, what happens? It loses its nutritional value. And then it's produced into these packages with sugar or, you know, other things that may not be healthy yeah. and um, chocolate makes up the smaller percentage of the overall ingredients and well that's it bars. a lot of them are sugar is the first yeah. ingredient you know and it was only in when it came to europe that we started adding sugar to it yeah you know they didn't they didn't use sugar in it and that's one of the great medicine things about the cacao as well that it is bitter you know because bitter foods are really good for the digestive system and detoxing the body and the kidneys and the liver and also it brings in that like um that more craving for more bitter foods rather than like, you know, to take our, our cravings away from sweet, sweet foods. Mm. Yeah. And then you also kind of, when you're, when you're sitting with a bitter drink, you, you're kind of aware that you're showing up to drink a medicine and not like a hot chocolate where it's like really nice and yeah. you're like, oh, this is gorgeous. So someone who's trying to get healthier and has a really unhealthy relationship with chocolate and wants to come off from that. Uh, there's a bit of a like a withdrawal process when you try to kind of clean yourself of, I think, sweets and sugar. Could cacao be like something to take at home that would help aid? Definitely, because I f- I feel like you know weaning ourselves off these things is is e- easier than just like Definitely. going from like you know Cadbury's to a hundred percent. Yeah, has you to know be a because slow you'd transition. just be like, Ugh. you know, the first time I had cacao magic, yeah. I bought I bought a bar and I didn't know what it was and no one told me what it was and I took it home and I took a piece and I was like oh and I gave it away <laughs> but then when someone told me actually what it was and like that it's not actually chocolate and then I more my mind became aware that it's it's something different it's, it's medicine it's not chocolate yeah. um then I 
I started in more enjoying it more. But I feel like, you know, now if I had hot chocolate from somewhere, I'd just be like, that's so sweet. You know, so like my bitter taste buds have come back mm. again. And I'm now, I now like the bitter. Now when I, if I make cacao and I put oat milk or something in, I think it's sweet, but someone else would, would be like, oh, that's so bitter. And I'm like, that's bitter like yeah. that doesn't taste bitter at all to me anymore it's funny how we acclimatize like our senses of taste yeah times. i was actually just chatting to danny about this before he got a filter tap in his house and i've been drinking bottled water like i'm aimed to get a filter tap but i've kind of stopped drinking tap water but i had a glass of it the other day and i was just like oh god <laughs> like the taste oh, in no, it so was bad. just but that's what i would drink i've been drinking that for years without batting an eyelid yeah but because my like taste or whatever had acclimatized mm. to the fresher water, it was more sensitive. Yeah. And I think that is true for the chocolate as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, So the cacao process is just with much more care and delicacy. Yeah, of course. So basically like the cacao that I use, it comes from a um, indigenous tribe where, and it's all women, they've been making this cacao. It's been, the land has passed down through all the women. Um, they've been making it for millennia. So um, they actually are, you know, processing it, making it for like the intention as it being a sacred medicine. Do you know, whereas if you go, if you're looking at like, um, you know, chocolate that's made um, for profit more so than medicine, they're they're just taking it and processing it yeah. like they're they're not it's just grow the bean it's an is efficiency just, and cost saving thing the bean is even yeah. grown just from trees that are not indigenous they're just wow. they're, they're planted for the for profit and sold for profit do you know so the energy yeah. behind that bean is going to be very different to the energy mm. behind the indigenous woman you know growing it and processing it's all nourishment. It. exactly yeah. and it's and they don't heat it to high temperatures at all so like you know that it has to be um, fermented so that it sits out in the sun for a while but you know that that's that has to happen for us to be able to digest it and to to, to consume it um so you can't say that it's raw ever because it will go over the temperature of you know the raw state mm. so um it's not really ever raw but um it's it's not heated to high temperatures where you're going to damage any of the the antioxidants because they they are heat sensitive so you're your Cadbury's chocolate will have barely anything left yeah. by the time they're finished making it. Wow. It kind of reminds me of like, uh, like we, you know, an apple today is not the same as an apple 60, 70 years ago. Oh God, yeah. You know, we, we look the at variations it. Variations of it, yeah. We look at it and think, oh, that's that's a, that's an apple, but uh, it's actually got much less nutrient, nutrients in it and substantially less, I believe, because you know, the soil that it's grown yeah. in isn't as... Uh, and nourished or isn't as nourishing as the soil that was used before because it's all been um, accelerated and uh, is optimized for efficiency um, which actually dilutes the nutritional kind of qualities in their fruit and veg um, and the fact that I've seen like you know uh, correlations between this and like uh, how the brain is uh, kind of regulating um, uh, based on micronutrients and like serotonin uptake and et cetera and yeah. correlations between anxiety and different mental health stuff and, you know, or nutritional uh, deficiency. Yeah. Um, which is something I need to kind of learn more about, but it's, it's very intriguing. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so true. There's, there's so many, I think when you have all these like hybrid 
plants and like new varieties, like the nutrition content is going to change. Um, but, you know, that's why I think it's important to get cacao from a place where it's indigenous to that area. Yeah. Um, because then the, so there's the Criollo plants and then there's um, there, the, that's the indigenous plants. And then there's the Foresto and there's Trinidad and um, they're all, they, they are the hybrid plants and that's what you'll get most of the time in like Africa and in like southern Peru, um, anywhere basically where it's not um, indigenous, you're going to get a hybrid plant and it doesn't have the same energy as mm. as the indigenous plants would. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. What would you say to someone who's listening and is like, uh, has never tried cacao and would love to try it and is curious and, you know, is it a case that they can go and buy some of this? Uh, and try it at home or would you suggest that you go try it in a uh, facilitated environment initially? Well, some people, it depends on what people want, you know, because a lot of people would like feel like, oh God, I don't know if I could go to a ceremony with a load of people and sit in circle and share yeah. and like dance or whatever, you know, what we'd be ever we'd be doing in ceremony. And um, like sometimes it's just lie down and meditate. But, you know, a lot of people are a little bit apprehensive about that the first time. So sometimes people want to just take it home and learn about it themselves. I have li a little book actually, that is like a little guidance book. So right. it it's like describes all about cacao and what it is and the history behind it and um, what it does to the body and and then how to use it as a ritual for yourself. Is that on your website? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's your website, uh, the name of it? It's NikkiHalliday.com. They are, NikkiHalliday.com. And I'll uh, put a link to that as well in the podcast notes so people Sweet. can get access. Yeah, you know, I, I, I highly recommend uh, like a cacao journey for anyone who's interested because... It has profound, uh, profound effects on our bodies in so many ways that it just it's so hard to even describe in a podcast. Yeah. You know, we could be here for like 10 days yeah. talking about <laughs> 10 series it cacao <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Getting into the nitty gritty details. Yeah. It has, a, yeah. it, it has also brought in like, like so many connections into my life, you know, just synchronicity of connections yeah. like that cacao has brought to me has been mm. insane, you know, and I do feel like universe is kind of pushing people together that need to meet in that way like and look <laughs> I, I, I love that I love that and like look my first time hearing about cacao and doing it in a, in a ceremony it was actually in a, the north of Thailand and you know to go back to my kind of assumptions I was like what like chocolate ceremony like what mm. what's next <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. that was kind of my thought process yeah because you know I grew up with chocolate and like my associations with chocolate are all you know you buy chocolate everywhere chocolates everywhere and all of a sudden now we're taking it for healing and taking it for these kind of ceremonial breakthroughs. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'm grateful for, you know, the education here today and just my own journey and kind of coming around with this. And I still feel like I have to learn so much more about it. But it's so clear that well, we have the kind of highly processed chocolate that we get in a shop. And then we have this uh, chocolate that comes um, from different regions and is treated with the utmost uh, care and retain so much uh, of its uh, nutritional properties that are actually influence in this way that allow us to, uh, you know, go inward or to deal with certain emotional things or whatever it may be that yes. uh, you've seen or, uh, you know, the different benefits that people get. Uh, yeah. and I just think that's really important because I have a, a kind of an idea that a lot of people fall into that trap when they uh, hear cacao or think about cacao. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know. And and the great thing is that it's it's obviously legal and they and I don't think they could ever make it illegal because imagine like the chocolate companies going out like they're just, you know, they're too powerful for yeah. that to happen, you know. And like so unlike a lot of the other plant medicines that what we can experience that, you know, we have that um ability to import it without any problems and to drink it without any problems, which is amazing. Yeah, great. And uh, look, I yeah. hope that the rest of the medicines follow on that track of legality which I am optimistic about yeah yeah exactly so you mentioned there about synchronicities and how like the cacao has helped you know you uh, I suppose align with your tribe or people on your wavelength mm. it's brought them into your life um, so maybe that's something that we'll just chat about a little bit uh, because I've noticed this myself you know throughout life when I um, I'm in a certain headspace or vibrating on a certain frequency if you will and that uh, you know reality seems to attune to that and people on that wavelength uh, serendipitous, serendipitously <laughs> happen to come into my life <laughs> you know through the most kind of uh, spectacular uh, um, I don't know like it just it happens in a way that is pure coincidence for some but just doesn't feel like a coincidence at all exactly I know yeah, for sure. And, you know, when it's when you kind of start to notice synchronicities happening, then I think then they can kind of tenfold. Then you start noticing more and more. Um, but yeah, and I mean, the first one I would say that, like, you know, the first ever cacao ceremony that I did, um, this guy, Rory, came to the ceremony and he asked me to do a podcast. And he oh, actually went back to Costa Rica. So it was a long time since I got there. But when I went to the house, he lived in this beautiful little cottage. And as soon as I walked in, I was like, oh, I want to live here. Like, ah, this is amazing. And just so happened that he was leaving the cottage like a while later. And he asked me to come. Did I want to live in the cottage? And I just couldn't get over my luck. I was like, this is the place I wanted to live for so long as soon as I saw it. And it's just got offered to me by this man who came to my cacao ceremony. And then when I went up to view the place with him, I realized that my landlady was actually the owner of Selena Banda Retreat Center, where I was putting on a retreat that summer. So it turned out that I was moving into the cottage a week before I was putting on my retreat. And I actually wouldn't have been able to cook at that retreat center. They didn't have a proper kitchen. So like I, I, I wasn't made aware of this. So I actually cooked in the cottage for that retreat. So like if I didn't have the cottage kitchen, I don't know what I would have done for that retreat, yeah. actually. You know, so it's like that was the only place I'd booked for a retreat all summer. And it happened to land in the cottage that that the, 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 the my landlady was the retreat center owner. It's like, ah, come on, really? <laughs> and at that time, did you have... Uh a sense of conviction or clarity around that, okay, this synchronicity is, you know, something happening for me or was there doubt or skepticism around um, that happening where you just thought, no, this is just a coincidence? No, I definitely believe that I was being led to that because I've I've always been like, it, it, you can look at manifestation and, and synchronicity as it's kind of similar in a way mm. that like, I, I was like, oh, I'd love to have a retreat centre. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind, you know, having my own retreat center. And instead of having my own retreat center, I got a landlady that owned a retreat center who I worked for her a bit like I was doing the gardens. I did some cooking and 
um, you know, I got to talk to her about her retreat center and how it's going and, you know, how she operates it and all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, it felt like I was I was given a piece of a retreat center yeah. to show me like what it would be like to have yeah. my own retreat center in a way as well. So I was like, this is just unbelievable. I like how I ended up with this, you know, uh, woman who ran the cookery school in San Francisco. Like she was like my mentor when mm. I was there. Like she helped me with all my food stuff, you know, and brought me to events with her cookery school. Like it's like, how did I end up with this incredible woman? And then again, I'm ending up with this woman who's yeah. able to teach me all this stuff about retreat centers. It's almost unbelievable written down on paper. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's like, what? You know, and just feel you just feel so lucky. And it's like, well, you know, when you are buzzing at that high vibration and you're you know, I suppose you, you don't even have to call things in, I don't think, because I, I feel like you don't even have to know what you want for for good things to come to you, if you get me. So when you say call things in, you don't need to have this like kind of vision or like a visualization around what it is you want. Just by vibrating in that higher frequency, um, reality just seems to form in a more positive exactly. way that is optimal for yeah. your uh, path. Like I didn't want to go. I didn't say like I'm calling in going to a cookery school in California to learn to be a personal chef. I wasn't yeah. calling that in, but that just mm. vibed towards me. Do you yeah. know, Nikola um, Tesla had this amazing saying. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to. Yeah, no, go on. Yeah, yeah. Nikola Tesla is like one of the great, great uh, inventors, you know. Yeah, and he said that if you truly want to understand the universe, think in terms of frequency and vibration. Yeah, you know, and that's something that stuck with me for a long time, and something I still think about. Yeah, uh, and it, you know, it just is so fascinating to try break down and digest uh, when you do kind of analyze, I suppose, reality with um, like science and physics in mind. And then just maybe the connection of the mind and consciousness, whatever that is, to the production of reality. I yeah, you know, and how uh, this is all intertwined. Yeah, like we look outside and we think that reality is happening outside, but you know, we know that reality is just produced by the brain digesting information. Exactly, and, and the perception, senses, yeah. yeah, the perception yeah. and the limit, yeah. the lim the limiting. Um, you know, our senses, which are incredibly limited, like set, yeah. sense of smell, sight, touch, mm. hearing, uh, you know, these are all digesting or processing information, if you will. Yeah. And then reality is actually produced in the brain. Yeah. And that's how we get our perception of reality. But we know that, you know, when you actually analyze it, that we're only able to take in like less than, you know, zero point zero whatever percent of the light that actually that exists low, low but yeah yeah i think it's like 0.00, yeah. .00 something something wow. like that like something outrageously insignificant yeah, yeah, yeah. in terms of what's actually available on the light spectrum yeah uh, and the same with sound um you know we can only take in a tiny minute uh, percentage of the sound that actually exists you know you can't hear mice communicate but mice communicate you know and yeah um so many other animals that we miss there do you ever see a cat uh, in the house and you're like sitting around chilling if anyone has a cat and you notice the cat will just like perk up uh, and you're like, what's it perking up for? I can't hear anything. Yeah, because yeah. that's listening to sounds totally. that we can't hear. Like they can pick up on the, yeah. the sounds of mice. Um, so yeah, that kind of leaves me with the question, what do you think the you know, the mechanisms are that govern manifestation or influence it? Well, you see, there's there's definitely different theories out there. And like, I suppose... Um, you know, one, one way of looking at it could be like that because we're, we're 
like we can we're, we can manifest these synchronicities that like when we see synchronicities, it's just our brains manifesting it in a way that like we've called we might have called it in or we might have um, we might have asked for it. We might have intentionally asked for it. And then we believe it to be true and it, that it will happen. And then we're we're actually buzzing at such a high frequency that we it, it appears in our reality or else, you know, there is another concept of like it being our spirit guides showing us the way. You know, it's like, oh, my spirit guide has shown me that this thing, I'm going to follow my synchronicities because my spirit guides are like leading this path. Do you, does that like, do you know what I mean? No, so I completely get you. So like you, you might feel like uh, the presence of some kind of spirit or guidance and then might take interpretation or messages from this sense of presence. Exactly. That influence your uh perceptions and visions over what you want in your reality which therefore then produce that reality and maybe you attribute uh, uh, it to your spirit guides or guardian angels or whatever yes, it may be yeah um, or it could be just that yeah you're you know coming up with these uh, thoughts in your mind and populating your mind with these visions of what you actually want your reality to look like or what you want it to be um, and uh, that has a direct influence on reality that might not appear immediately but like will eventually on some level come into existence yes yeah yeah like one of the big experiences I've had with synchronicity and manifestation I suppose has been with with numbers and it was it was a friend of mine an old friend of mine who kind of started on this journey but even before he mentioned the journey I had I'd sent him like a a um a screenshot of my phone with 1111 on it and then he was like that's so weird like you're going to listen to a story on my my next journey about my next journey and it's all about seeing 1111 and then the journey started from there and it just it, it hasn't it's definitely kind of come and gone on my journey with manifestation and synchronicity but like at that time I was just seeing 1111 all the time and I don't know, like I looked up like, oh, what does 11-11 mean? And supposedly it's like, you know, the start of like some an awakening, a spiritual awakening. It's like the beginning of something new. And I like I couldn't get over how much I was seeing it. And um, then I messaged him like ages, ages later. I heard he'd moved to Cavan or something. And I was like, hey, friend, I heard you moved to Cavan. And then I, he was like a few days later, he's like, you realize you sent that text at 11-11. And I was like, I hear what? No way. And then when I when I met up with him, we were hanging out for a while and, you know, that that number for some, he was obsessed with the number 22. And then that came in for me. Then I just started seeing 22 everywhere. And like I, I, I write a song and I play it and it would come to two minutes, 22 seconds. And like it all just really like profound ways of it showing up in my life. I was like, this is super weird. And I was like, well, what's going on here? And he had his perceptions about it. And and I was like, OK, well, I'm I'm really interested in listening to his perceptions on it. But I also want to kind of grasp what's happening myself. Am I manifesting this? Is it my spirit guides? You know, someone like Deepak Chopra would say it's your spirit guides. Whereas there's another guy, Kirby Surprise, who does talks a lot about synchronicity. He thinks it's just us manifesting the, the it ourselves. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But where are our spirit guys coming from anyway? Like, are they coming from inside of us, or do you know what I mean? They're like, yeah, it could be the same thing, and then at the, the end of the day, it anyway, be. it could be. <laughs> you know, like definitely, like when I was on ayahuasca, it felt like there was a presence of a, an entity there. You know, 
Yes. Outside of myself. Yeah. And yeah, like yeah. I would have been extremely uh, skeptical. I think I mentioned to you, like I kind of had this spiritual journey from 18, 19 to 22, 23, and then yeah. went really deep into science and like completely was just a hard science no in that sense. So going into ayahuasca, I, I was very, you know, on my back foot and uh, cautious about my experience or like really um, just had that scientific mind, I suppose. And then just to feel that the presence of, you know, such strong uh, energy forces, if you will, or like entities um, was just so compelling and mind-blowing. And I came out of Ayahuasca completely just like in what, what, what you know, awe. But then ultimately arrived at the, I, I, the ultimate conclusion I arrived at was like, now that was my mind producing that. You know, like that's why I, that's exactly what I, yes. Um, yes. how I reasoned um, around yes. it. Um, but in hindsight, I don't know. You know what I mean? That's the thing, right? Yeah, because so like deeper into this number journey, I was like, OK, I'm, I'm going to do a cacao ceremony and figure out like I'm gonna, my attention is going to be what's going on with the numbers. Like is like or uh, is this my guides and am I connecting to my guides? So what happened was I was doing the ceremony with a girl from Costa Rica on on Zoom. It was during the lockdown. And she messaged me at 4.44 in the morning. Uh, this her Costa Rica times. So it's not on her side. It's not 4.44. My side it is. And I woke up and it was last seen 4.44 message at 4.44 telling me about, oh, telling me all about the ceremony. And then that morning, I think I woke up at 7.44 and it was, 44 was just coming up everywhere and it hadn't been coming up for me before. So I was like, okay, there's something going on with the 44. So when we were doing the cacao ceremony, she was pulling cards from a pack which had numbers on them. So I said, look, just I think maybe, you know, let's check to see what the 44 number 44 is. So she picked when she picked up the card, the pack of cards, the 44 card was on the bottom of the of the pile. So it's the first card she she saw when she picked it up. And when she read what it meant, I was just like, oh, my God, this is crazy. So it was all about connecting to your spiritual guides. And it's like you have an innate um, um way of connecting with your guides you have to trust that you are connecting with your guides and you may you may find this guidance in the world through reoccurring numbers and I was like oh my god what my intention going in was what's going on with the numbers am I connecting to my guides and then that card got pulled which was the 44 card and I was Mm. like that is too fucked up like <laughs> like you know what like yeah. your mind has to just be like okay there's it's something hard for the mind to, to to process that you know exactly yeah 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 and then you know for me like even this morning now when i keyed in like to come here it was 44 kilometers away and i said i was going to arrive at 10:44 uh, you know, it's, it's coming up for me loads again it came up for me a lot back then and to be honest i felt it led me to a lot of pain like, it, you know, it, it kind of brought me into this relationship that was not good for me at all. And it ended really badly. And I was in so much pain after it. And I was like, well, fuck the numbers. They led me to this horrible thing. But do you know what? Like, I kind of lost a lot of faith in it then. And I lost a faith in like my spirit guide, shall we say. But then I realized that I had to be led to that because that was my learning. That was my lesson and my guides or whatever my innate or my inner wisdom led me to have that experience for a reason for for growth for spiritual growth for like just to to evolve myself mm. you know and like I was a little bit fearful then of like oh shit like do I follow those numbers again if I'm 
you know what is yeah. it like what is it when I see a number or what like what does it actually mean to me and you know and then I then when I was doing my I did a shamanic trance dance guide and guardian training last year and like you were saying about making it up in your head like this is a really powerful journey without any plant medicine breath of fire you're blindfolded and then you, the music takes you on this journey into Jesus. the dance it's like it's profound like so profound where and what the, comes where, up where did you do this or where this did was it in, stem from in Spain. Spain so I did it in Spain by a woman Zelia Pai amazing woman and she does um, trainings throughout the year, but like it's not that many people that are are doing it. Um, I think I'm the only Irish person that's actually trained in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really amazing work. I'm going to do some more of them soon. Just I haven't done since COVID. I haven't done any. Actually, that's a lie. I've done one. But anyway, um, yeah. Uh, uh, so basically, like when you go in these shamanic journeys, like, you know, you see things or like your imagination starts going wild. And then at the end, you're like, did I just make that up in my head? Yeah. You know, and then in things like were happening, I was like, you know, losing faith in myself. And I'm like, I'm just making it up in my head. I don't think I'm very good at this. Like, I think that maybe this is not for me. And they were all the people in the training were like, no way. What are you talking about? You're always so insightful at the end of the journeys and what you're sharing is amazing. And, and I'm like, yeah, but I think I'm just making it up in my head. I don't know, like, if this is true. And then I was like, no, I believe in great spirit. I believe in great spirit. And then I turned around and like on her laptop, it's 444. And then like that night, like we weren't really on our phones at all, but sometimes I turned it on to use the torch. And like every single time I turned my phone on, it was like 44 past the hour. So it was kind of like, okay, look, I just have to trust and believe that this is actually real and it's not me making it up in my head. So it did help me to, to, to believe that yeah, and then yeah. the stories that were happening during the during the time that I was there I couldn't have made them up it was so profound what came through on the journeys that like I, I had to believe that it was something deeper than my mind that was that was coming through yeah you know so. and that's like a, that resonated with me because it's been kind of similar where um, since ayahuasca I kind of came out of that and put that in a box of like that was just my mind and my imagination yeah but since then there's just been such spectacular happenings like personally that it's just like so compelling that it's just undeniable in a sense from an experiential point of view that like there's something that uh, is beyond my mind's comprehension you know exactly that I fully can't uh, process or understand with the rational mind but uh, is undeniable from my own personal experience and I've dissected this I've struggled with it it's been the cause of a lot of mental grief you know my own uh, going back and forward with it but uh, it's just also you know not surprising I suppose that like you know think about the universe we live in I mean you look at it from such a broad perspective and see what the universe actually is and the fact that it's even a, even a thing goes back to what we we're saying earlier on can you really you know deny anything you know, we're so early on in our journey of just understanding. <laughs> There's so much we, we don't know. There's so much we don't know. Like what physicists are saying now is that like the whole like kind of uh, understanding around like space and time is basically just, you know, no longer relevant because of the new understandings that uh, they're able to, the new understandings um, that they're coming to uh, realize around using instruments that can actually go outside our observable reality. Um, like this is crazy talk. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Cra it's crazy talk. Yeah. You know, 
Um, and I wonder, you know, if like these spirit gods or entities that potentially exist, you know, I'd love to kind of break down and understand what that looks like from a scientific perspective. Is it some kind of like multiverse thing that exists outside of this reality and can interact with a reality, you know, through different mechanisms like, uh, you know, plant medicine and that. I'm not sure, you know, I'm not yeah. sure. Well, you know, there's um, like a lot of the time when you're in ceremony, people say that like, you know, you're this ceremony is was orchestrated for the this particular group of people and you know we all ended up here for a reason kind of yeah, thing. everything yeah. happens for a reason yeah. we're all in this ceremony for a reason together yeah, yeah. and that was like that at the shamanic trance dance you know she was very like you know this is very significant that you're all here together there was only like um six of us you know and her and um i don't know if like she kind of i think she felt that the, that we'd all had a past life together in in um like in America and I, I mean I, she never really like said that specifically but a lot of things were kind of coming up on our journeys around that and like you know kind of animals from America and the indigenous tribes and and um, like you know old like Indians and and that were like you know coming up on our journeys and stuff together and you know she definitely has that connection to that and, and a lot of the time it's like oh you know we, we, should we not have the connection to the Irish way of like our Irish culture and um you know ancient Ireland and that but and and I was kind of thinking about her and she's like from Devon and I was kind of like oh she's you know she's really taken on like the Native American kind of way but then that's what she feels so drawn to because she obviously has a connection from that and maybe from a past life mm. you know and then I felt like it's so much more authentic than when you when you believe that there is there's something deeper to it than just like oh I, I like that kind of culture I'm gonna you know kind of yeah you know feel into that more because you're drawn to it from a maybe a I don't know if ego perspective is the right word but it's a, an idea as opposed to a deeper yeah connection and i'm not saying any of that's true yeah but i'm just i'm totally i'm totally open to it being true yeah you know yeah exactly <laughs> like, like what we said earlier on yeah it's about like you know even if the bullshit indicator goes on or you feel really drawn to you know saying that it's correct you should be wary of either you yeah. should stand you know as middle ground as you can and, and entertain these ideas as just being plausible and possible yeah you know i think yeah. that is probably the healthiest position we can take yes, um, individually yeah, yeah um and yeah you can have these experiences that completely compel you and um you can say you know for me are like almost undeniable i know that what i experienced and going through these experiences were undeniable and they were so grand and magnificent but uh do i truly know what they were i don't no no <laughs> you know, exactly i don't know yeah. what they were <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you want to hear the little story of the, yeah. what happened on yeah, that? Do please. we have time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah yes, go okay, it. see if I can remember. I haven't told this story in a while, but um, so we went on a journey through the different chakras when we were when we were doing the dances. But one of them was um, to find our power animals. And when I was doing mine, I was just kind of like going, "Like, oh Jesus, what the hell is that?" You know. And it was this little 
this creature that was kind of stepping up on his legs and you know he was he was like it's it's me it's me and I was like okay well okay whatever and I was I didn't even think about like trying to talk back to the creature it was just like I don't know what that is what is that is that like a hamster or like I I really don't know and I'm like this is all I'm just making this up my head this is ridiculous you know and then and then I went on a little journey with whatever creature it was and I was like okay I'm like beside the water and I'm just running around at this and like it's got family and you know it was kind of I was just like sick of my head making up stories and I was like nah this is bullshit like what is you know I'm just and then after that I was just like oh god like I just feel like I just made up all that crap in my head and you know like I've just imagined some some creature like that's what what and then I so when I was on my own in my bed later on I was like hold on it said it's me so why didn't I ask it what it was and um, so I kind of went back into the trance on my own and I was like what are you it's like I'm a chipmunk and I was like okay great okay that's my spirit animal my power animal is a chipmunk are you for real like what and then I was kind of like okay well you know I can I obviously need to learn from the chipmunk chipmunk for whatever reason but what was happening during like this is a bit out there obviously and but you know I was what I was um dance every time I danced to the west I had a really powerful experience so with with the water uh, so West is the element of water. So every time I danced with the West, I had a really deep experience. And um, then we were the one of the last dances we were doing. So my my little animal, I called him Chippy. Um, so my last one of the last dances, we were back into the center to try and um, to feel centered again in all of the dances that we'd done. And the first thing that came through was bear. So Bear came into this, this really, really strong and, um, and Chippy was there, Chippy and Bear were there and there was a, an, in a like a native Indian playing the flute beside the fire and we were all sitting around the fire, the Indian, the Bear, Bear and Chippy and myself and then Bear took me on an adventure and we went swimming in the lake and like we had this beautiful time and I was like just floating around and I didn't have any attachment to it, you know, whereas when I was trying to find the power animal to start, I was like, mm. is it the power animal? You know, this kind of like, oh, I want to find my power animal. But this one was just let it go and I was flowing and flowing. And then in that um, that journey, Zelia, the woman, the, the guide and guardian, she came to me and she was wearing all white and she, she handed out a gift to me. And I was like, Okay, yeah, and I, but I still kind of thought I was making it up in my head. I was still like, oh, Jesus, this is you know just my head. Why am I? Why? What's this? And then after that, she came to me and she said, "I I feel really strongly the energy of the bear," and I was like, "Oh yeah, okay. Well, look, my whole my whole journey was about the bear, right? So the bear is the keeper of the west." So that's where I was dancing towards the West and I kept having the deep experiences in the West. And um, she's like, if you look at the bear and the chipmunk, they're very similar. You know, they're they similar claws. One is big, one is really small, but like they're actually quite similar. Mm. So she's like, you're really lucky. You have two power animals. And she went and she got um, one of these um, indigenous made necklaces from her her display and she and it was white and whatever in the in the journey whatever she offered me was white and it was this white necklace with a bear paw on it she's like I want to give this to you as a gift so 
in my journey, I saw her giving me that gift. And then she came and gave me a gift and told me that the bear was my other power animal. And I was like, okay. And also the fact, oh, then I went up and looked up what significance the bear and the chipmunk have. And there's an old native Indian story about the chipmunk and the bear. And it's, it's about the bear who, um, the bear who thinks he can do anything. And the bear is like, I'm so great and powerful. And, you know, you're so small and, you, you know, you, you're, you're no good in this world because I'm so amazing. And uh, Chip, the chipmunk was like, oh, um, well, why don't you see if you can make the sun rise and or make the sun not rise in the morning so it will stay dark. And he said, yeah, OK, I'm going to be able to do that. So bear sat there all night trying to make the sun not rise. And of course, the sun rose. And the chipmunk was laughing away. Ah, ha, ha, you see, you're not so powerful after all. You can't make the sun not rise. And Bear got really angry and went after the chipmunk and got his claws down the chipmunk's back. And that is why they say the chipmunk got its stripes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's the bear's claws on the chipmunk's back was supposedly their little story for how it got its stripes. So I just thought like, uh, that that's crazy like that there's the Indian uh, Indian proverb or the story Indian story about that and it was like the Indian with the flute and the bear and the chipmunk sitting around the fire of the journey and Celia giving me the gift and I was like I couldn't have made that up in my head like yeah. that came from some deep place like and that was all like uh, more validating for you that it wasn't just your you exactly know, your mind. exactly yeah, yeah and it's yeah, just yeah. like it's, it's so extraordinary you know, that's the yeah. thing. And the thing is that like I I you can really learn from both of those animals, you know, and that like if I feel like I'm becoming too much of a bear, you know, I can find the chipmunk and if I'm too making myself really small, I bring in the energy of the bear. Yeah. You know, so it's a great, great lesson. You said sense of bear in you for sure. Yeah. The bear energy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um the and the dancing itself, what does that look like? Is it, you know, you know, is it similar to a static dance or is it more, you know, intense no, or moving? Yeah, no, it's Did way. Paint a picture there. Yeah, like, I mean, it, everyone have it's very different dance, do you know? And like, obviously, like, I mean, I've seen people now because I'm I'm leading the dances myself. But like when I was doing it, I wouldn't have had a clue what anyone else looked like because I'm blindfolded. Oh, you're blindfolded. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I, it, it really like, you know. So you're dancing blindfolded. You're moving yeah. Is it, uh, you know, fully expressive dancing? Well, a lot of the time, sometimes it can actually just look like, a you know, shaking or like right. moving the hands or, you know, sometimes I do this kind of rolly thing around that kind of, it just, I get into a flow of rolling my hips and it yep. just goes into a flow. Um, but like, it, yeah, it can look like anything, like and often doesn't look like you know, you would in ecstatic dance or like, you know, no, you. nobody is dancing to look good or no. to, it's more, uh, it's more a journey with the music and the, the trance rather than, rather than like, woo, I'm dancing. Yay. Yeah. yeah you so know, body's uh, movement is a kind of vehicle to assist on this like trance-like state. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're going to bring that to Ireland and you're going to host a few more workshops. Yeah. You're bringing it to Ireland. You've brought it to Ireland. Yeah, so I've done, I think I've only done two, two so far, um, but I do want, I do want to do more. Like it is, it's really beautiful work. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, 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 it really is. And is that something that uh, anyone can go to or would you recommend them, you know, doing some other work beforehand or? No, I would, I'd yeah. recommend anyone to come to us. Yeah. I mean, it is what you'll get out of it. Yeah. You know, someone who has gone on a lot of journeys into the unknown, into the, into the deeper spaces within themselves will probably get more out of it. Yeah. But like, it doesn't necessarily mean you can't start with that either. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And it's, um. Sober or do you take anything? Oh, it's completely cacao? sober. And that's what I, because I remember when I signed up, I was like, oh, you know, with the cacao, I'm just, you know, I'm, I, I serve cacao and I, I like doing cacao dances. She's like, no, you're not going to bring cacao into this because if you bring cacao into this, people will just think it's the cacao that's bringing them on the journey. They yeah. have to know that it's in themselves and that they have the ability to do this themselves. So if I do, sometimes I do a day retreat, but I'll do the shamanic trance first and then we might have cacao afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Mm. So I'm it's intrigued. In, it's very intention I'm led very as intrigued. well. You have to have the intention first. So when you're doing the breath of fire at the start, really powerful breath of fire, you have the intention in mind. And then once the, the music starts, then you let it go. Mm. Mm. Intention seems to be such a powerful um, and important aspect of any of these kind of ceremonial uh, uh, experiences. I know Michael Pollan in his book, How to Change Your Mind, like he uh, is a scientific uh, journalist. I'm not sure if you're familiar with his work. Absolutely, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and yeah, he, yeah. he spoke in the book about how, like, uh, across all the different ceremonies he he done, like, intention was closely uh, related to the experience you actually ended up having. You know, and if you went in to have uh, a spiritual experience, and then, then, like, that would be what's produced. If you went in to have a self-growth experience, for example, or, in fact, um, a lot of the original people around Silicon Valley attribute uh, the success of Silicon Valley to these uh, sessions where they would take LSD and actually their intention would be to problem solve and come up with ideas and creative solutions. Mm. And that's how a lot of these ideas are actually born and um, that are the foundation of, uh, you know, the tech world, uh, which is fascinating. Yeah. Um, because it highlights that or implies that yeah, intention is like the mind's um, interaction with this uh, chemical or the chemicals, the medium that allows you to have the experience, but they're closely related, you know, the, the interaction of the mind and, and the experience. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, there's, there's, it, it is, it's profound. It is, again, it comes to that back to that belief as well, isn't it? It's like yeah. the intention and then believing in the intention and then, you know, placebo effect as well with yeah. that yeah you know exactly exactly like yeah. and, and all done together are just immensely powerful yeah. like belief is so i think relevant to you know activate placebo yeah yeah you know no. like they go hand in hand yeah exactly uh, yeah and, and maybe that's where a lot of people in society uh, struggle uh, is because they believe they can never be wealthy they believe mm. they can never be successful. They believe they can never be the person that they would love to be deep down. Or there seems to be this common thing where people on a deep level, like they they feel this sense of like there's something more and that they are something more. And maybe they have thoughts around who they truly would love to be mm. or what they would truly love to be or uh, the direction they would love to go in, you know, if uh, nothing else played into it. I think that's quite common amongst uh, people in society. Uh, but then they have these immense doubts and conditioning that just play into it and they get stuck in that. And uh, any thoughts around them being able to walk the path are kind of just 
ridiculed by themselves straight away yeah. you know our own yeah. own biggest enemy <laughs> i know and like even if you think like oh yeah i've let go of all my limiting beliefs that oh, like so many of them come in more of them will come in yeah. like you know it's a constant work of like dis dispelling the beliefs that we have in our brain about ourselves and the world yeah mm. and coming to new understandings and if you look at every generation for yeah. history they all believed absurd things that we can look at now and be like that was uh, outrageous yeah. you know some of them true some of them not true yeah you know yeah. um so it's just really important to take our cultural assumptions with a pinch of salt as well exactly i, I know i know yeah um, yeah look it's been amazing to have you on nikki i've really enjoyed this conversation it's yeah like a child day I know it's been great, really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't feel that long, but I'm I'm sure it probably has been quite um, long. Yeah, look, it, it, it has actually been like a, I think over an, over ninety minutes. Oh yeah, you know, which is a yeah. nice bit of chatting. You just came back, so you, Nikki came straight from a festival straight to the well, podcast. I mean, I was I just I just haven't been fully home yet. Fully home, <laughs> got you right, right. So you just came off the back of a festival. You were cooking at the festival. Yeah. It was a sober festival. Yeah. Um, what was that like? It, yeah, it was beautiful, beautiful. It's called Healing Bridges and yeah. in Cavan. And it was all about community and culture and music. And they did a lot of sweat lodges. And oh my God, people just had the most amazing time. I obviously didn't get to experience any of the actual festival, but I got to experience the people talking about their experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just As cooking. they're getting food off you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was a really, it was really beautiful. It was really lovely to nourish them as well. So yeah it was great do you think that uh that's happening more and more these sober uh, oh loads of things this, like yeah. people, there's, i'm so surprised with the people in my life who have recently said they're giving up alcohol oh yeah because they're people that i never would have thought would give up alcohol wow you know like yeah, they would have yeah, been yeah. the last kind of people that i i, I would have thought would abstain from alcohol mm. and there's some people that like are, have committed to going off it for a year okay that's, that's been mind-blowing for me yeah yeah it seems yeah. to be this kind of natural kind of change and people maybe realizing that god alcohol doesn't serve me you know and actually in fact i can you know have the best time without any substances i can go and even are generally surprised with how much more connected they are to other people how much more yeah, present they are and then grateful for how much more they remember I know. And I, I do think that like for because i was cooking at the connection retreats and i was going in to so many retreats especially the ones like in the last few years, like, you know, that for me gave me a lot more confidence in myself to, to be in those groups of people, yeah. you know? Um, so I'm, I'm really grateful for that as well. Cause you know, I know I don't, I, I did, I would have used to have been like, Oh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd like to have a bit of drink before I dance or I like to have drink before I'm in a crowd of people chatting. But like the more you do it, the, the easier it becomes and the more you feel love for yourself the more yeah. you can actually just interact as an authentic person and not have to be like trying to people please or you know be like someone you're not or Completely. you know just like I, I believe that you know when we try these things a few times it becomes easier and then at that it just feels like the natural way then it's like exposure therapy isn't it yeah essentially yeah. like the most resistance comes at the thought of doing something um, and it's uh, you know confronting that thought and resistance and going doing it you realise that oh that actually wasn't too bad and I kind of enjoyed it um, or it's even like you know acquiring a new skill you might want to learn an instrument you'd be like I'd never be able to learn guitar for example I'll never be able to do that and then you sit down and you 
you do a session and then you learn a bit or two and then you know you keep doing it and then you're like you know you're in the zone and you get in the flow and you have fun or whether it's like sober dancing or whatever it may be anything this applies to everything i think yeah just the exposure and confronting the resistance you you uh adapt and then you uh can't imagine not doing a kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, 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 that's big time. And and I feel like a lot of people have that scare around either sitting in ceremony or especially a static dance. It's like, oh, now can't be dancing now without a few drinks on me. You know, I think that's a big one. Yeah. You know, because we're so used to, to drinking before we dance. And like, I remember the first time I did it, I did feel awkward. And I remember the second time I did it and I did feel awkward. And then after a while I was like, oh my God, I can actually dance like more wildly than I've danced when I was on alcohol yeah. <laughs> and I'm loving it and I feel so free and I feel Charged. like the expression and the creative flow and like the beauty that comes in is a much different feeling than just like giving it loads to a bit of techno in a nightclub like it's completely completely <laughs> yeah me and ryan there uh, have been doing the dancing dip yeah i saw we, that actually yeah, yeah yeah yeah. we had the last we've do, we done two this year but it was actually inspired by the aesthetic dance workshop in sligo oh cool you know i, yeah. came, I came out of that and i was just so powerful i was like ryan yeah. we need to do this on the beach yeah we need yeah, to get yeah. this going and uh each time i done it last year i think we done it maybe four times i woke up that morning i was like why have i committed to doing this <laughs> I can't yeah, believe yeah, yeah, yeah. no can i just cancel it i don't uh, want to do this like and then you show up and you know, people show up and there's this hesitation and timidness from a lot of people, including myself. And you kind of have to take the lead on it because you're facilitating. And then you just kind of get into it and uh, you uh, get the music going. And by the end of it, people are just completely out of their shell. They're beaming with smiles. They're completely charged. And one thing that completely took that, that took me uh, by surprise was having people come up and actually crying on my shoulder because of the release mm. and how immensely powerful it was for them. I just yeah. didn't see that coming. Uh, and as I've done it more, I've just got more comfortable with it and yeah. that uh, anxiety or yeah. whatever you would call it is um, has just uh, subsided. Yes. Um, and it's a beautiful thing yeah. and I encourage everyone to try it. So yeah. you want to come do a dance and dip, you know, follow the page. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a push through, you yeah. know, just push through it a few times in order to get to that feeling of actually really enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Fair play to you, though. Yeah, Thank yeah, you, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Look, great. we do it for free and we do it for ourselves as much as we do it for other people. Yeah. Because we get a lot over. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so the ones on the beach we've been just doing uh, for free and it's been very satisfying. But um, And that is beautiful in that, in for, for manifestation and for, for synchronicities when you're actually giving a service because from the heart, the way you want to serve... And you're you're doing it for the benefit of other people, and you're not really you know asking for anything back. That is a, sur a sure way of bringing amazing things into your life. Yeah, yeah, thank yeah. you. And I, I, yeah, and I feel that you know yeah. because you come away from that feeling so high. Yeah, like because of you know the energy from other people, the smallest from other people, but to see other, to see and feel other people's gratefulness. Exactly. That like raises you so much that yeah. like you're just vibrating like a mad thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally, <laughs> totally. Yeah. No, it's great. Yeah. And you've really done that as well, you know, and you uh, have helped other people and you get to see that firsthand people coming out of their shells, dancing and yeah. being able to do it sober. And that's uh, an incredibly power empowering thing to do I think is to dance sober yes yeah it is indeed and we need to do more 
Yeah. Want a whole nation dancing like mad jokes. Without, yeah. Without any substances in their body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would be that would be a, a sight to see, wouldn't it? Just a big techno rave. No one, no yeah. one sober. <laughs> <laughs> that's my vision I won't pour my the beach just covered in thousands of people yeah, 6 o'clock yeah, in the morning yeah, yeah. sunbeam and everyone just having the time of their lives yeah <laughs> we'll see yeah no that would be a nice sight to see alright for sure Um. so look and you gotta believe it you gotta believe it yeah if you don't yeah. believe it it's not gonna happen how do you overcome the doubt though <laughs> when there is a doubt well you, well you question yourself first yeah. and say like is this doubt actually relevant or true do you know? So like, you know, if you say like, oh, you know, I couldn't bring together a thousand people on the beach. Like, well, why is it possible? Well, it actually is possible. Yeah. You know, so like, you know, you've got to question, you really question it. Mm. And then like once you question it and you realize that like, actually, that's that's just a limiting belief that I have. And that it is possible. Then you you have then you have to really just try and let go of that of of that belief and start bringing in a new belief about the situation or yourself or the world and ask yourself why what it is that you can um start to believe instead do you know like well i do believe that like there are that many people in ireland that would like to do that and i do believe that i have the ability to hold that yeah. space or to bring the music uh, do you know what I mean? So offer yourself ways of of believing it to to be true rather than yeah. yeah so yeah, letting go of those. That's fantastic insight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of reminds me of um, CBT a little bit. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In the sense that you have these thoughts and you know write down and uh, kind of interrupt that thought pattern and replace mm. it with the thoughts yeah. that you want. Because usually the beliefs aren't true. You're like, oh, I'm not good enough to you know, play that song on the guitar. And it's like, well, no, you are actually, yeah. you know, why am I believing that? You know, just question it. Well, I'm making that up. It's a story I'm yeah. making up. And they become true because you're thinking it. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of which, I'd love a song, you know, if you're feeling up to it. Oh, yeah. The guitar is there. I know. And um, yeah, okay. Because I, I wa did have a song in mind this morning, but yeah. we don't have a capo. So we I haven't know. got a capo, unfortunately. But the next time you're on, we get you the, that song. Yeah. You know, we get the capo on. Would be good to go, but yes. if you're up for it, there's no pressure. Yeah, can, yeah, yeah. No, up. totally up for it. Um, and yeah, like this, we're we're where we finished chatting now. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, think we've yeah. had a really nice conversation. There yeah, it's been lovely. Yeah, I think um um it's a beautiful way. We've been chatting for nearly I think two hours. So oh uh, god, yeah, okay, wow, um, amazing. Um, yeah, thanks. Look, thanks again for coming on. I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's been great to connect with you. I'm very happy that you're the first woman of many on the podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, there's just so much there that you're uh, doing that is important work and it's um, uh, empowering for yourself and, and other women and, and other people in society. So uh, amazing, amazing. Thank you. Know? you. Yeah, uh, yeah. Anyone wants to follow Nikki, you're on Instagram. I'm on Instagram. Um, on I've got a few tags now. I'm Nikki Haldy, natural chef, and I'm I'm also cacao ceremony, and I'm also sacred cervix. Right. Yeah. So just to say as well, so if you if anyone's interested in the nutrition and cooking side of things, I've written a book called A Practical Guide yeah. to Cooking for Health, and then I'm also seeing clients for with women who have HPV virus, and I'm starting a an online course where women can actually come together and we can bring the power of bringing the group together and healing ourselves. And that starts at the end of September. 
Um, and then also I'll be doing some more retreats, cacao ceremony, shamanic transdances as well. So lots of ha- lots happening. Yeah. Leave your hands in a lot of piles. Yeah, busy, busy woman. <laughs> um, so look, I'll put in information in the show notes. And if anyone out there knows anybody that's impacted by that virus, you know, keep it in mind. Keep Nikki in mind. Uh, there's is solutions out there and and options to help. So uh, that's really important. Yeah, thank you. Thank Great. you so much. And the, the tune you're going to play for us, you have one of mine? Um, well, I'm just trying to think of which one that has um, no capo. Most of my tunes that I've written have... have they, um, uh, yeah, but there there is one that I wrote. Um, actually, it was a joint a joint um, written song. Joint written song. Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my partner wrote, the, wrote a poem. Pete. Yeah, Pete. Shout out to Pete, legend. Yeah, he wrote a poem and then I made a song out of wow. it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Love so, it. Yeah, I can play that one. It doesn't yeah. need a cover. Please. Yeah. Yeah, the guitar's behind you there oh, yeah. when you're ready. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, Nick Cave that like was originally a poet and uh, then transposed all his poems into music he did I believe so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. or with the, with the aid of like the bad seeds oh, or yeah, other yes. musicians but yes, yes, yes. Uh, predominantly uh, I, I, I don't know what truth there is to that but he was originally like you know a poet and had these books of poetry and then they uh, became music and then we have yeah. in the cave <laughs> nice Together 
strife Let go of the future Let go of the past Be here now Let the beat be our guide Let go of the future Let go of the past Be here now Let the beat our guide thank you for joining mine thank you for joining mine thank you for joining mine thank you Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Pete. That was my, wonderful. P. My beautiful partner, Pete. Pete's a dark horse, isn't he? <laughs> oh, yeah. He's a serious dark horse. I'm telling you, P. Yeah. <laughs> I see you. I know. When I found out that he wrote poetry and he wrote me a poem, I was like, what? Who are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love Amazing, that. I love yeah. that collaboration, that creative mm. collaboration. Like, it's it's wonderful that you just, like, came together, you know, yeah. and, and uh, birded that. Yeah. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. You're a legend, Nikki. Thanks very much. Oh, so are you, Darren. Thank yeah, you. Appreciate yeah, you. An honor. Keep doing the good work. Thanks. Much love. Thanks everyone for tuning in. And uh, yeah. Thank you. Yuppa. <laughs> <laughs> See you.